talk, and design, analyze the games that we love, headlines, and music, and the movies we can't forget. I'm Ghost Wonder Burns. I'm a kind of our Savon Morris, the president of the Packers fan club on Cloud9. He was blowing up Facebook. I was like, oh. <laughs> Y'all must have forgot. Y'all talking about first seven seed to ever do it, baby. Yeah, go pack, go. That's what I'm doing. For- <laughs> That's crazy, Wellington. It be your own people, be your own co-host. No, nah, he's I'm not happy, kidding. man. I was rooting. I was rooting. I was. I no, was, he was with not. my friends watching at a restaurant. No. I was like, my, my guy, my guy, Savon is happy. My guy, Savon is Wellington, happy. <laughs> Wellington is live because he predicted the Dallas Cowboys oh, yeah, to did. put up I'm thirty-five a, yeah. points. The receipts, the receipts are all true. The receipts are all true. I predicted it. Oh my goodness. Well, we have a lot of topics to get into for this one. Obviously, some NFL playoff topics, NBA topics, some album reviews in the second half. We're going to do a review of Friday Night Lights. To start off with the Eagles' playoff loss to Tampa Bay and kind of, you know, what needs to be their offseason move. Um, Philadelphia lost 32-9. to Baker Mayfield threw for 337 yards. Also, three touchdowns in the Bucks defense. He never allowed Hurts and the Eagles' offense to really find any rhythm. And, you know, that one drive that Philly had near the end of the first half, it seemed as, as though they might get something going. Devontae yeah. Smith was looking really good. But he was kind of like the only, like, highlight for the for Philly's offense to you yeah. what was the most surprising element of this as Tampa Bay just thoroughly outplayed them and Philly looked all out of sorts where was this Baker Mayfield with the, the Browns or even <laughs> exactly <laughs> with the Carolina Panthers I believe Panthers. <laughs> where was this Baker Mayfield because I was high on Baker Mayfield when he was coming out of Oklahoma and I thought he had all the tangibles, and then he just resulted to hero ball. He averaged an interception a game, and then now people go to Buccaneers just to revive their career or just prove people wrong. I don't think he proved anybody like completely wrong, but you still you're one step closer to doing that. And he played a phenomenal game, and and I think missed tackles definitely helped with that, bro. For sure, like, this defense looked terrible. This offensive line looked terrible, bro. The their their nucleus this entire season. I've been advocating for the freaking Philadelphia Eagles for seven, eight weeks. I'm on their bandwagon because I believe they could turn it around. This is the first Eagles. time. Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. Or at least turn it around. And it's <laughs> playoff time. Exactly. Everybody clicks on a different Westcom, and that's receipts too. I said there's going to come around and turn it around, but there's a lot of mistakes, a lot of red flags for this team now that we're seeing them. They're visual because you take into account they overlook certain things because they're getting W's, but this offensive line can't pick up a blick. They they can't block. They, the running game is non-existent. That was their forte. That was the nucleus of this offense. It yeah. wasn't the deep ball threat, it wasn't that. It was the running game, taking the ball out of Jalen Hurts. And then it's offensive line, pass block, and run block. It's been non-existent. And it's hard for Jalen Hurts. I don't put that on Jalen Hurts, that game. I don't. They couldn't I pick don't. up a blitz. Yeah, they couldn't I pick did. up a blitz. There was It was a lot of – it was just missed how Bradbury. Oh, my goodness. Oh, retire, bro. Retire. Retire. Bradbury, bro has been getting dusted since he became an All-Pro last year. Hasn't showed up to a game. Missed tackles everywhere. This defense looked trash. It was like the fundamentals, like all the fundamentals they were just missing. Like, they were yes. such a sound team. And even, I was watching the Manning cast, and Ray, Ray Lewis was saying, like, they're just basics that defenses 
know and do that they just aren't doing. Yes. Like this, this is this is like an individual team, like like mm-hmm. an individual player is just trying to do their own thing, but not playing as a collective. Like, was that another thing that you kind of yeah. saw? Like the collective was really missing. I think so because one. AJ Brown, who didn't have <laughs> any confidence in his team to go and, and beat them so he could come back that week. He deleted all yeah. his information off his Instagram, deleted his Twitter, all these things. There was some confusion, um, no team camaraderie, none of yeah. that in this organization. And you can tell, and it, it, it translated to the football field finally, because in those times they were still figuring out how to win. But then I don't think when, when people get back on the ropes, they don't understand what a team mindset will do and will overcome. And the Philadelphia Eagles did not show that even with their veteran presence with Jason Kelsey, uh, it just, it just, just looked like a crap show, bro. From an offensive line standpoint, that was embarrassing. That's embarrassing that you can't pick up a blitz. You wanted the you was one of the best offensive lines in the National Football League. And everybody has given you that title and then you don't show up. I'm trying Jason to think Kelsey. of another I'm trying to yeah, I mean Jason Kelsey, his future. I mean, I don't I wouldn't want to see Jason Kelsey's career in like that, losing no. in, a, in a wild card round. He he deserves a much more at least a farther push into the postseason than, than to go out that way. To be way. honest, you know he I mean? didn't play a great game. Yeah. Jason Kelsey did not play a great game. And I I hate I, I think he's going to retire. I think they're itching for him to retire, but he didn't play a great game. Johnson didn't play a great game. Uh, just it, It's a laundry list of players that did not play a great game. And then they have a lot of people they have to re-sign or figure out. It's like 10 of them, from running backs to defensive linemen to wide receivers. And I think at some point, the head coach has to has to figure some things out. But do they keep Nick? Do they keep Nick Sirianni? Absolutely, absolutely. Keep Nick. They've been to the playoffs consistently. They won big games and went to the Super Bowl last year. Came up short against a good Chiefs team. He's been consistent. There's some things that needs to be cleaned up, fundamental wise, for these right. grown people. But I think he's a good head coach. Yeah, some things you're gonna you're gonna sweep some things under the rug that you think you can fix later in the season because you're ten and one. Any head yeah. coach is going to do that. Kind of, like, I mean, 10 and 1 is like the perfect security blanket. You're like, all right, we'll be, we'll be okay. good. We'll be good. Yeah, we can clean these things up later. And yeah. I, I like Shannon Sharp, but some things, bro, okay, Shannon, you a Hall of Famer, three-time Super Bowl champion. What he but some things, he said, it's all Sirianni's fault. He needs oh. to go. He needs to Bro, I understand that they were winning and sweeping under the rug, but you can't fix everything. Some right. things are individual. Yeah. He brought the winning nature. He's been to the playoffs every season. Like, what do you what else do you want from a head coach? At some point, there has to be individual accountability. AJ Brown doesn't have it. Jalen Hurts seems like he does at certain points. The offensive line hasn't been highlighted because they had a crap game. Nobody said anything about this offensive line besides um uh Gruden, who backfired with <laughs> <laughs> Robert Griffin the third. Yeah. <laughs> But nobody said anything about his offensive line. But I digress. Buccaneers capitalized on a lot of a lot of tackling mistakes and a lot of errors from that defense. And then the Buccaneers de- defense really had didn't have to do much. They blitzed. They played a lot of man. They were able they were able to get pressure. They were able to to, to jam at the line, and they did everything the defense needed to do. Man, sh- hats off. Hats, hats off, off to Tampa them. Bay. Yeah, hats off to Tampa Bay. A, a ph- phenomenal performance. 
Um, and now moving on to uh, to Dallas and Green Bay. Green Bay dominated uh, Dallas 48-32 on the road. Aaron Jones ran for three touchdowns. Jordan Love threw, threw for three more in his, po- in his postseason debut. This is also Dallas' first home loss since the 2022 opener. They had kind of been rolling at, in in home, honestly, because, you know, they, they just were kind of, you know, unbeatable um, there for, for most of the year. And mm-hmm. when you look at this game, man, like it was from the opening drive, Green mm-hmm. Bay, they said, we want the ball. They didn't like yeah. defer. They just like, we want to set that tone. Like they yeah. didn't, they didn't, they, they had really to. want, yeah. they, and they had to, honestly, being the, because they were a heavy underdog. Um, mm-hmm. And so many mistakes by Dallas. Dak looked completely yeah. just out of sorts. At this point, Dak is who he is at this point of his career. <laughs> I mean, there's not there's not much going to change. I'm like, no. I'm like we see this every year. I'm like, yeah. okay, this is going to be the year he figures it out. Because I honestly thought going into, in, into this playoffs, they would at least make the NFC Championship and play San Francisco. They didn't even get mm-hmm. past the first round. No. To you, what <laughs> sit out in this game and honestly – um, what Jordan Love did, and honestly, Aaron Jones, because that running yeah. game was, was yes. suspicious. That's the, that's what we do. That's the mo for a, a successful Green Bay Packers season. We've been doing this since Brett Favre, since, yeah. since Star, since Aaron Rodgers, now Jordan Love. The one the running game starts, and then we picked up the blitz really well, and then Jordan Love doesn't crumble under pressure, and then the wide receivers were doing their jobs. But the biggest thing I said talking about Dak Prescott. He doesn't like the run. He ran like twice to extend the play, but he doesn't like the run. He likes to stay in the pocket. They're bringing pressure. Once you make Dak Prescott think more than he should, the game is over. It's scary. It's it's a scary sight for him. <laughs> he doesn't know he, how to he starts looking. He starts, he starts looking like he's seeing ghosts. I mean, those eyes yes, got big. <laughs> bro. That pick six that uh, Savage had should never have been thrown. Oh. The conversation with him and CD trying to get them back, he forced that. He's sticking more than he should. Certain play, like he's yelling at CD. I'm like, it's not CD, it's you, man. (laughs) Yeah. Some of those throws, some of those throws were, you know, but he was off a lot of things. It was just not just to CD, it was to other wide receivers. And I told people, and I said this on a podcast, they're not going to run on us. We're going to make Dak throw. And he's going to have to run, which he doesn't like to. And we were getting there. He wasn't. Yeah. So it was a lot of things that happened. And I think once the running game works for the Cowboys, then he gets comfortable. He doesn't have to think much because now they're playing up. He can do yeah. the, the slant routes. He can do the things that he's comfortable with. Once you start making Dak think more than he should, it's, his game is over with. Yeah, they had that you know comeback run. They scored a couple of touchdowns. But at that, that time, the game, yeah, the game is over. Yeah. So the Packers receivers were wide open. open. I mean, I'm like wide open. I said this on the podcast, bro. I said their secondary was was suspect and they've been suspect for the past three, four games. And even Bland, we were going at Bland a lot. The guy who had the most pick six, he reminds me of of Dix. Dix had a lot of interceptions, but he gets beat a lot, a lot. And that secondary never wants to show up. And if they and if they the defensive line could get there, then it helps out the secondary. But they weren't getting there, and then it was getting exposed. It was so Stephon funny. Gilmore. Now I was just gonna say it was so funny. Fox had to zoom out <laughs> because you could barely see any Cowboys defenders in sight. Like when they're, it's like are they that open? <laughs> it's sad. Bro. It was crazy. <laughs> I was ecstatic, but at the same time, I'm looking at. I mean this this was a talented team. This is a talented. Cowboy, this is not like this is a, a very talented team. Yeah, very, very talented. talented Dallas Cowboys team. What they were 
number five, top five in, in, in a couple categories, and yes. the defense was too. Defensive, yeah. And to give up that many points. And another thing, the defense was trash. Dallas Cowboys defense, that's not all on Dak. It's not all on Dak. That defense did not show up. This bonded defense that was supposed yeah. to be like the <laughs> second coming of the 85 Bears. As they were saying the first two. They were like, oh, first three weeks, they're like, nah, this Cowboys defense sucks. I'm like, I don't want to hear this. No, Let me bro. see this in January. Let me see this in January. Thank you. Thank you. That's what it counts the most. Whatever you do in the regular season doesn't count doesn't until matter. you get to that playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. They, they showed they wasn't ready for that moment. Dak Prescott thought too much, and that defense didn't show up. And they're keeping Mike McCarthy. What did you think about that? I, I think I like crazy. that. I, I like that. Show some loyalty, man. They, I don't think anybody – it's not the head coach. Okay. It's the guy behind Say the Corner. Coach. Backing up, backing up. Not even a general manager. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Old Wrigley <laughs> fella. <laughs> Get out the way. He needs Get to out the way. Your formula is not working. What you did in the 80s or whatever, the 90s, just a whole totally different game. Get out the way. It's not Mike McCarthy. I think Mike McCarthy called a good game. Said, get out the way. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe I'm partial. That's so funny. I didn't want to laugh too hard with that. <laughs> I maybe I'm partial because I like Mike McCarthy because he was my previous head coach for the Green Bay Packers. Oh, I think he's a good OC. No, I think he's a good OC. Come on, man. I think he's a good OC. I think Dak thought too much, but I do think Jared Jones need to get out the way. Yeah. Get out the way. Because you've been doing it for this amount of years. You were successful in that little lot of time. It's somebody else's time. You hired that general manager. You hired that head coach for a reason. Get out closed. the way. That window is closed, man. It's but not- I like I like that he kept Mike. Because who else would have been in that position? Bill. Him and Bill? Get out of here. They would have butt heads before he got in the building. The other coaches I was going to say. I was going to say the ones that were mentioned. Belichick. Jim Harbaugh and Mike Vrabel. Those were the three. Those are the three other coaches that that were mentioned. Him and Jim were the butt heads too. I, that's how I feel. Because with San Francisco it was a perfect situation. Because the owner was I forgot the owner name at that time. I think it's the same owner. But they jail well. Right. But Jerry Jones is hands on owner. San Francisco is not. That is true. Kraft is really not. I mean, at a certain point, obviously, you want to keep. Um, keep that. Yeah. But at certain points, Kraft would let him do what he wanted to do. Just show control. You got a general manager up there. Y'all on the same page. But you think Bill or Jim or any of those guys want to go in that situation? And I think that's why he kept him. Mike is cordial. Mike will be able to do certain things that he's wanted. And then kind of, you know, I think it's a good good relationship. But Jerry Jones needs to get out the way. For sure. Stamped, stamped, signed. Approval Bro, rating from Savon's Corner says, get out of here. <laughs> you killed hey, It wasn't me, Jerry. It wasn't me, Jerry. <laughs> Jerry. Oh, man. Yeah, I know I met Jerry Jones. I, I met Jerry Jones one time. This, at the guy, Cedar Bowl. No, this guy, Promise this guy, you, man, always does this. At, the, like, at the Renaissance Battlehouse <laughs> Hotel. It's, it was during Senior Bowl because I had to pick up talent. I had to pick up all the talent guys. So I went in there. And Jared Jones was there because he was during the senior bowl week, he's scouting or whatever, him and son. And you bro, he looks worse in person. <laughs> he got so much money. They got organs on the standby for him. Like, bro, he's rich as crap, bro. But he's he yeah, he's he's a yeah, he's a terrible guy. Terrible, 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 <laughs> terrible guy. Ask Des Bryant. 
Oh yeah, ask Dez. Ask Dez. <laughs> Dez is Dez we do that. We do the tell all interviews. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm glad he's finally speaking out and talking his truth. Definitely. Um, and now moving on to Detroit's first playoff win in 32 years versus the Rams. The Lions won 24 to 23. Detroit ended a nine game postseason losing streak, the longest in NFL history. Rams had a chance to take the lead late late in the fourth quarter, but but um, the Lions got to stop. And this was actually to me. I mean, I don't think it was even like that much of a competition. This was like the most entertaining wild card game of yeah. the entire weekend. It went back and forth down to the wire. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I thought the Rams were, were, were going to win this game, but man, the Lions made key defensive plays when they needed yes. to. It was one of those games where it just was, it was separated by one or two plays. Cause it was, literally yeah. it was a one score, you know, one point game uh, to you. What's it out to you in this matchup? And also, you know, how the lines were able to, to figure things out. Cause Stafford, Stafford, he got back in, but he also got a lot of pressure in that line. Yeah. Defensive front. I mean, the Lions wanted it more. I think it's it's a lot more for all the dogs. There's a... <laughs> <laughs> we're consistent. No OVO sponsorship. We want it. <laughs> we want those no, owl, owl sure. sponsorship. <laughs> oh, we would love it. You know we would love that. Sign us today, brother. Um, but no, I think the Lions wanted it more. And then manifestation. Manifestation. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I do think the Lions wanted it more. And when when they when it mattered the most, the defense stepped up. I think at first in the beginning of the season, it was only one person getting pressure for the Lions. And he was so gassed. It was the first couple of games. Um, and now the entire defensive line is getting back there. And I think I think that's they're built there, they bought into the nature of, of what it takes to win a championship or try to go to get a championship. Because it's set up for them to possibly even go to the Super Bowl, right? Michigan just won the national setup, championship. Good setup. Another another home playoff game and then NFC Championship now, to take your pick. I will say this. If Jared Goff is forced to throw the football and that running game is not working, I don't think they make it. And the running game is working with Montgomery and obviously they got Jamar Gibbs. And I think all the wide receiver core is starting to work out with, uh, was it? Am I saying Brown or am I saying I right? This is what we do live. Pronunciation, pronunciation zone, pronunciation zone of podcast. <laughs> no, name zone, because I probably didn't get his name right. <laughs> What's his name? Oh, yeah, it's St. Brown. It is St. Brown. Yeah, St. Brown. St. Brown went off, and then Reynolds is another guy. And then I like how they're using Jamar Gibbs into the the, the – um, to the, the 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 passing game with screens and have them coming out with wheel routes and little um little angle routes out of the backfield, but that's what they have to do. Jared Goff cannot have the ball in his hands. And then the Rams, when Matt Matt Stafford went down, and the, we've seen this in the regular season, they lose the identity obviously because they don't have a good backup quarterback. And Matthew Stafford is is more is good better than I thought he would be um at this late stage of his career. He's still showing up and trying to make good still throws. Still yeah, still slinging it. Uh, but I think obviously they wanted them wanted it more for sure. And then in the key moments, obviously the defense stepped up. But they're gonna have to make sure this running game is gonna be good against the Buccaneers. If not, I don't think Jared Goff can sling it and be consistent. Cause he he struggled. He started struggling. I think it was in the third quarter and some of the fourth quarter. And I just don't think he he has that. We've seen that when they went to um yes. The, the playoffs. Bowl. Yeah, they went Even to the Super Bowl. I mean, I, that's the thing. Jared Goff to me is always the weak link. Like, he's yeah. not that impressive to me. It's it's the nope. surrounding parts of the team. Like, if if you were, like, 
And that's why, like, in terms of the the, the matchup I picked the Rams, I thought Stafford was going to have more big plays for them. But yeah. if that running game is not working, like it, and golf, like you said, really has to win the game, it's just not mm-hmm. going to happen. So they no. really have to make sure that the running game is working and flourishing. He just happens to make those, you know, dick and dunk passes and not really have to, like, try to yeah. over, overtly win it. Yeah, you can tell the difference when Matthew Stafford came over he, in his first year, they went to the Super Bowl and won it. So it's obviously it was, that was the difference maker. They have the same team, same system, sen- same system, yeah. same team, and him coming in and being more a complete quarterback and more consistent and being accurate with his throws. You can see the difference. Now this, I mean, that's this how is the same Jared Goff. Niners, like yeah, like Garoppolo. You don't trust Garoppolo, but you trust <laughs> no. <laughs> you trust, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Like, Absolutely. I'm to, like, no, I don't to, like, know what you're No, that's not. That has no correlation. Has no correlation. Bro. I gotta put my forty niners agenda in. I gotta put my forty niners agenda in. Whatever. <laughs> what are we doing? By the way, Wilson is a Patriots fan. By the way, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, Patriots, Patriots for sure. Patriots for sure. I show allegiance to them. I show allegiance <laughs> to the Patriots. You know, talking about the forty niners all the time. <laughs> I just want that to be known. Just want that to be known. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> So do, do you feel as though when you look at this Lions team, like obviously it's so crazy because they, when you the overall system of, of the Lions, like it's changed. Like in past years, it was like the Packers beat them every time in Thanksgiving. Yeah. They're kind of that little brother. Like what has impressed you the most about how they've kind of like gotten that elite status in the NFC and really kind of changed the infrastructure of their team? Patience. Yeah. I think with any other organization, it's always we need to win now, now, now. Detroit always had potential, but they've been super patient. And I think it's come. I'm glad they stay with uh what's the head coach name? See, this is why you should know these things, and this is not in my notes because I didn't think Dan Campbell. <laughs> Dan Campbell, thank you. Um, I love him as a head coach he's because he's for the players, he loves his he loves his players, and he has that tenacity. You have to be patient with a coach like that. And they finally got the pieces. Um, and I think they're content with Jared Goff at quarterback because of the pieces around them and that they're starting to get it right. But I, I do think they're one player short for being in the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl. And that's true. the quarterback situation. I think they should drop a quarterback because I don't think Jared Goff is a Super Bowl quarterback. And I don't think he can win a game when it comes down to clutch. I think with the Buccaneers, it's going to be a close game. And he's going to have to because they got two monsters in the middle, David and um, White, and they have some good good uh, D-linemen up front. I don't oh, yeah. think they're going to run the ball as prolific as they, as they normally do. So what are you going to do? You're going to have to throw the ball. He's going to throw the ball at least 30, 35 times. And I think when Jared Goff gets to that number, That's it's going to be a problem. That's yeah, concerning. it's going to be a problem. Um, and now getting to to the uh, Texans' current success, CJ Stroud um, is, I mean, just continuing to to really impress. Uh, the Texans beat the Browns forty five to fourteen. Stroud became the youngest QB to win a playoff game, and mm-hmm. I really did. I expected a lot more out of the Browns because I feel as though the defense was was impressive yeah. throughout the year. But I mean, yeah, the Texans just thoroughly dominated them. CJ Stroud is one on a really impressive run. Um, they're now facing Baltimore. To you, what's it, it out? the most in this game and also what the Texans are doing with that offense and, and what Stroud is continuing to show week after week. That defensive line wasn't wasn't it was non existent for the Browns. Miles Garrett, one of one of the toughest defensive ends, got shut down. Um 
the secondary only can hold somebody for so long, man. You gotta have you gotta yeah. have that pressure. And CJ Stroud was standing in the pocket. He had time and he's confident now. There's you're gonna have to, and they weren't blitz him as much as I thought they're gonna do. As a young quarterback, I'm gonna blitz him, I'm gonna mix up coverages. You look what the Chiefs were doing. They were they were mixing up coverages, spinning. They started at uh cover two, then they made it look like it was gonna be cover one, and it went back to cover two really fast, and that made two will go. He threw the interception, insane play. So with CJ Stroud, you have to mix up the defensive play call. You have to send blitz. The the defensive lineman has to get home without sending a blitz. You have to have pressure on this kid and make him extend the play, make him get out of the pocket. He doesn't like to run. He's one of those other quarterbacks. He's it's not. him. It's um Buddy from the Panthers, Alabama. Bryce Young. Bryce Young. Bryce Young. Yeah. Um, Dak Prescott, they do not uh, this want to run. laundry list of quarterbacks who do not like to run. They like to stay in the pocket, be comfortable. They only run if they have to. You have to make him uncomfortable. And I think in the beginning of the season, they were doing that. Now the offensive line has clicked. They're they're protecting him, and he's comfortable. He's confident. When he has time, we see what C.J. Stroud can do. We see that he has a huge arm. He's accurate, especially with the deep ball throws. And that's where they live at right now. So I think with this next game and what the Browns didn't do was get pressure because his offense line has evolved and gotten better over the the extent of the season. So I think that's the difference. And then Joe Flacco ran out of juice, baby. Uncle Joe. (laughs) Uncle Joe. (laughs) (laughs) Uncle Joe ran out of juice, baby. 39, man. 39 hits different. 39 hits different. Oh, <laughs> it <man>. showed. <laughs> he got his incentives. He got some of his incentives. He's cool. He's about to go back home and, and be cool. I ain't <laughs> to work. It got me some money. I didn't expect to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> I didn't expect this. What? <laughs> I didn't expect to get this far, but here we are. But I think they ran out of juice. And without a, a prolific running game and Nick Chubb and all these guys, like, you miss that. I understand people don't want to pay running backs, but having a good running back system works. It's old school. I know everybody wants you West Coast, but a good running yeah. game can open up the pass, and a good pass game can eventually open up the run. But I think it's more pro- prominent when you run and then pass. So Browns wasn't able to do that, and Joe Flacco didn't have time to do anything, even tie his shoes. <laughs> Not tie his shoes. <laughs> Nah, man, they're not tight enough. <laughs> Give me a second. <laughs> hey, Uncle Joe was throwing. Uncle Joe threw 46 times. <laughs> Boy, was tied. Uh, Two interceptions. Uncle uh. <laughs> smelled good in that crowd chamber. <laughs> My boy needs a sensu. What's his? A sensu bead? Uncle Joe. Um, but before we move on, the, the Bills, they were able to beat the Steelers. Chiefs were able to be the, dominate the Dolphins. Do you have any, any thoughts about those games? I feel as though Tua didn't – I mean, that was obviously – I mean, he struggled a, a lot throughout the game. Moment too big. Moment – that's what you said. And you and you literally said that last week. You think – literally verbatim, you said, I think the moment's going to be too big for him. And it clearly was. They were confusing him. Again, Tua is a game manager, bro. He was gifted something <laughs> – from above with all these players. Yeah. And you see what happens when it's time to do make a play, be a be a game changer. He is not. And it show, and with the Bills, I knew what they were going to do. Allen, keep playing like this. This is what you did your first two seasons, bro. Extend the play, run, be decisive, 
And the running game is going to work. If you run, if you're getting blitzed, do not try to stay back there. Run. Go. And you see what happened. He would have had what, a 50, 60-yard touchdown? Ooh, crazy. Bro, just do what you normally do. Don't try to be nobody. This is how you got here. This is how you been. You were supposed to be the next man up. This is supposed to be the next rival game. This is what got you there. You extended plays. You, you man, move. Frog dogs. <laughs> <laughs> This is what this is what your mo is, and this is what how you guys are successful, and it's working. The defense is going to do what they do. You guys have to keep them off the field. Right. Long long drives, extend the plays. Don't stand back there too long. Hit the offensive line out and make take what the defense give you. I think Allen is a game manager, but he has the ability to extend plays, which he's willing to do. We've seen that countless times. Really, and I do. <laughs> do you not? Did you not see the first half of the season? And the that's last true, season? but I'm saying I think when we talk about game managers, it's usually guys who aren't that dynamic and are going to put up big numbers when they are when they are clicking. A lot of times, game managers they're just like okay, like they they have average. You know, Jared Goff isn't going to ever be in like an MVP type of category. Jared no. Goff is a game manager to me. I think putting him and Josh Allen in the same category like they're he's way not, two different quarterbacks. I don't think I mean? Jared Goff is a game manager. I really? think Jared Goff is an opportunist. And I think okay. he feeds off the running game and the play action. That's what he's most prolific at. When I think of a game manager, the difference between Allen and all these other guys, he can extend plays willingly. He's willing to do so. That's what I think we kind of muddy the water of elite because he can't extend the play. If if Allen did not run, he would be just like the rest of them. Because we've seen that when he didn't want to run, he wanted to be a pocket passer. He's throwing interceptions every game. He's forcing plays. He's for, he's forcing a drive. The offense is not moving well. Now, when he's willing to run and extend plays and do all those things, they move. It's That's why I don't yeah. feel like he's a game manager. Did I say he's a game manager? I lost my train of thought. Listeners, this is like what's so great about Savon's Corner. <laughs> I was thinking, I was thinking about the process of it, and just like this guy gives takes, he, this guy gives takes that aren't like typical podcasters. I'm like, whenever he's making, <laughs> I don't know if that's a compliment or not, brother. It's not the same mundane take. <laughs> this that's guy so... really juices it up. I this don't even really... <laughs> know what to I, I say. Hey, I don't the podcast genre, and this Savon's corner is one Bro. of the best corners. In podcast industry, Savon's <laughs> <laughs> Corner doesn't exist. It's all well and just do it. I didn't create this, but no, I don't think he's a game manager. Um, I think he's in the cusp of that line of game manager and elite quarterback. If he can play, if if he's a game manager, he has to play consistently, become a game manager. He doesn't do that. We've seen that in the first half and and dripping in the second half of the season. But I think he's in the cusp of game manager and elite quarterback because he's willing to extend plays like these other game managers not. Brock Purdy is not going to run much. Bryce Young, we said we're not going to run much. CJ Stroud doesn't run much. I don't right. think CJ Stroud is a game changer. I mean, a game manager. But these are the the difference between these quarterbacks. Are you willing to run? Like Lamar Jackson. I think right. if, he was, if he stayed in the pocket, he wouldn't be as great as he is. And I don't think he'll put fear into a lot of defensive coordinators' hearts. Yeah, but I love that he's running because that's the, the way of the game is going. It's being able to extend plays, being able to run, do all these certain things to extend, uh, have an addition to the offense. And now the defensive quarter has to do a spot, has to do this, has to take somebody down from the coverage 
to, yeah. to spy you or come up and play uh, eight, seven in a box. So I think that's what the, what the game is changing. But I do I don't think he's a I think he's in a cusp. He's in a, like that little fly line. The middle line. tier. Yeah, the middle tier. But he has to play consistent. He has to do exactly what he's been doing. Do not change up. Who do they play? They play the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I was, that's what oh, I want to get to. That's what I want to get to. This int- this divisional round is going to be so intriguing. So Texans, Ravens, um, 49ers, Packers, Bills, Chiefs, Lions, Buccaneers. What what's I mean, you, you can make your pick for for all for all, all the games, but is there one in particular that, that kind of stands out the most? You already know. Green Bay's yeah, know. 49ers, they have been our thorn in our backside, our Achilles heel. For so many years, I was I'm confident, but when I said that we've beaten the Dallas Cowboys so many oh, yeah. times in the playoffs and regular season, it's sh- we I knew now 49ers since Colin Kaepernick was quarterback, we we lost to them to, for them to get <laughs> to the Super Bowl. Yeah. So this we're gonna have to play perfect football like last week, and I think we can. I think we're on a high, but I think that game is gonna be extremely. Oh my goodness. There's our Achilles heel. We're going to have to do some things differently. I don't think their their front seven is going to be a, a factor to me because Bosa and, and Young, all these guys, I don't think they can bring that pressure if they can. I think we've been blocking it well. If we can block Dallas Cowboys front seven pretty well and pick up the blitz, I, I'm not afraid of the 49ers. But what I am afraid of... <laughs> Mr. McCaffrey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Samuel. <laughs> Mr. Kittle. Ayuk. <laughs> All those guys. All those guys. <laughs> we're going to have to get to Purdy. We're going to have to get to Purdy because they're going to do a lot of misdirection, a lot of screens. They're going to have to eat their Wheaties and be have some endurance because Kyle Shanahan, man, he knows how to, how to get the play. He has our number. He's had our number. I think we beat them maybe twice in the past five, six years. Yeah, man. They so, got a lot of success. They have a lot of success against you guys. Okay, don't lot, say it like lot, that. A lot. Hey, a lot, yo. Lot, you said, man. yeah, bro. I, you trying to be <laughs> slick with it, bro. I hear you. I hear you. I got headphones in, but nah, it's going to be a good one. But I'm, I'm, I'm eager to see this Kansas City Buffalo because we always get it. I cannot it. wait for it, man. I cannot wait for this game, bro. This, this 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 is this is the one I think is going to have all of the attention. Um, yeah, because when so. you it's it's the narrative game. It's really mm-hmm. the narrative game because it's like time and time again the Chiefs have beat the Bills. That thirteen that thirteen second game, the Bills know that should have been their game. That was yeah. the game that they that, that they should have won. Kansas yeah. City was able to figure it out. Um, and now for the first time ever, like I said, Mahomes is playing a road is playing a, a road game. It's so crazy to me. This is the first time he's ever played a road um, playoff game, and and I it's think even playing field, yeah, it's even playing field. So I, I'm I'm slightly picking Kansas City, just as really slight, slight, yeah. So I Kansas City. I got, I got by, by a slight edge. We rolling slight. Ooh, I have the Bills because this is their best I, chance to do it. Definitely their best chance to do it. Thank you. Everything's set up for them. They don't have they they don't have to be afraid of these wide receivers. Years prior, oh yeah, they had some dogs. Like, but I don't think they're going to be afraid of their wide receiver core, and I think they can stop the running game. Obviously, Mahomes, he he's a threat running the ball. He's a threat throwing the ball. He's a threat extending the play. So, 
I think that's going to play a play uh, play a role. But I think if the Bills can stick to their guns and stick to what they've been doing the past three games, I think they win. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be like twenty one seventeen type vibes. I think it's going to be really close. It's always a good game. Come down to yeah, the wire. For sure. But like, I'll say 21-17. I got the Bills winning. I think this is the year they pull it off and beat this, this giant that has been whooping their butts for the past three years. I, I hope – I honestly hope that 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 Buffalo is able to pull it off just because yeah. if you don't do it this year with all the issues these Chiefs have, I don't know when you do it, man. Because this is the most vulnerable the Chiefs have looked in years. Yeah. But – if Mahomes in the playoffs though is different, <laughs> I'm just gonna say that Mahomes in the playoffs though is, is really yeah different. he is different. You can you can never bet against him, but I just think this year he doesn't have the weapons to bail him out. Um, most of the years the wide receiver core, the offense line is always just ugh, just just a just a red flag. No pun intended because they're definitely red uniforms. But I think there's been the Achilles heel, but they had the wide receiver uh, weapons and him extending the play, getting outside the pocket and, and throwing. It was accuracy. I saved them a lot of instances. I don't think it saved them this year in the playoffs. But if Buffalo do win, I think Baltimore is going to beat Houston. Yeah, I got, I got I think, Baltimore and Houston and uh, Detroit against Tampa Bay. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, I had to, it, had a, yeah, yeah, I had to process you, that. You have Tampa, I, I thought I was about to say, if you got Tampa Bay, if you got the, the upset, if you got the upset alert, I, I'm yeah. thinking. Detroit. It's going to be Detroit beating them. Yeah. Detroit, yeah, Detroit, yeah, Detroit. It's going to be, hear me out, Detroit versus Packers for the championship, NFC North. Right, you want that? Then, so you want that? You want that? NFC no, <laughs> I think we could beat San Francisco, and I think Detroit is on a high, and I think Baker Mayfield is going to make mistakes, but that's always Baker does. That's that's always his Achilles heel, the mistakes. Yeah, Baker's going to make a mistake eventually. He's gonna, they're going to get behind, and he's going to have to throw. And when he does that, he averages a, a interception a game. Mm-hmm. When he was with the Buccaneers, what the Buccaneers? When he was with uh, the Browns and when he was with the Panthers. So that's his MO. Yeah. We're not going anything against him. But once he has to throw more than 30 throws, he averages an interception. That's a crazy right. stat, by the way. But I do think we're going to beat San Francisco. Uh, and then Detroit. And I think that's going to be a lovely stat line because, one, they won NFC North. And then now they have to play the, their team. And then I think it's going to be Baltimore or Buffalo. I think Baltimore is going to beat Buffalo because they they're going to know how to stop Lamar. Yeah, Baltimore. I, I, I think um, I think Baltimore is, is definitely gonna win the AFC because I mean this is just this is one of those years where I really want to see the narrative with Lamar. <coughs> Excuse me. The 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 the, uh, the, 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 the quarterback. <laughs> like you said with the TikTok lady, the, the, the quarterback. He's not quarterbacky enough for me. <laughs> like, oh. like, that was so annoying. I really want that to end because I mean this should be the year they get to the Super Bowl and really yeah. kind of just. Set their set their tone and make a statement. Yeah, and I think that's like yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and now getting into uh, uh, basketball with the NBA and the Mavericks and kind of how far how well they played this season. Dallas is currently fifth in the West. Tim, Tim Hardaway Jr. is a Sixth Man of the Year candidate. and Has been flourishing during his, during his season as a fill-in starter while while Luca dealt with a, a sprained right ankle. They did have the loss to to the Lakers um, last night by seventeen. But when you look at this Mavericks team and where they're kind of currently standing in the West. Um, there always have been issues with kind of like where their defense can, can can hold up in the postseason. But how do you feel about how they're looking currently? And also, Kyrie, I think he's been playing exceptionally well. And 
Uh, also, Tim Hardaway Jr., he's really been a bright spot for them and kind of a consistent spot and can kind of always be that consistent bucket getter. Yeah, I think um, I think outside of Luca and Kyrie, I, I've become to become a fan of Dante Exum. Yeah. And I think oh, before okay. he got injured, I think he was, I think it was a, is it a knee? I think it's a knee injury. Mm-hmm. And I think he was, he was getting some buckets. I think he revived his career, came off and um, started, you know, contributing on the front court and the back court. But Kyrie has played better. I, I was, it was a, a, against the, what, what chemistry was going to be like when he played a full season with Luca and played a full season with these guys. It has been pretty, pretty good. It's good. I, it's been good. I do think it's too many ISOs though. Cause you know, Luca likes many. the ISO and Kyrie likes the ISO. Um, and I think at a certain point, who gets the ball last? And I haven't figured that out yet because it's, it's always mixed. Who do you, and I, I don't, in, in, Looking at the, the 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 games, I'm thinking like, who do I want? Because both of them. That's such a good question. Can shoot, but outside of that, I think they're they're playing really good. I do think um, Tim Hardaway Jr. is kind of reviving his career too. Because when he first came in the league, everybody was high on him, and then he just kind of took a dip. And I think he's he's playing in a good system uh, with Luca and them, the guys. But I do think I'm I'm more impressed by Dante. Exum's career and how he's reviving it, and then he gets injured. Yeah. So, but now I would, I like where the Mavericks is going, and then I do like Seth Curry coming off the bench. That's all. I used to, I used to want him to be in the starting five, but I think him coming off the bench is better. For sure. Yeah, but the Mavericks are looking good. Definitely. Um, and now getting into uh the Lakers and kind of like their current uh trade deadline options. Um, they're, they're currently uh, 10th in the West. There's a clear need for an upgrade at the guard position. Um, they want a player that can score on their own, shoot well from three, and be an offensive offense initiator. Um, Zach Levine and DeJounte Murray have kind of been mentioned as op- options for them. Um, to you, like, like what do you kind of see as a, as a need for them or maybe a player that can kind of fit what they do? I do think DeJounte Murray could possibly be that guy. Yeah. Because, um, mm-hmm. I mean, he's obviously going to be a bucket getter mm-hmm. and kind of be that literally what, they, what fits – um, the offensive needs that they're really trying to fulfill. You know what? I'm I'm a, I'm gonna go off go off the rails. I think they just need a true point guard, and I say that because I think they should trade for Colic Sexton. Oh, and you know I've been, been mentioned. I've, he's been mentioned. I've been big on him since he got into the league when he was the Cavaliers. Nice with just I think he could be because Russell is not it. Russell has to go. They have to shop him around. They have to figure him out. He has to go. <laughs> And I think Austin Reeves at the two is fine. Obviously, I think they'll need another big guy. So uh, Prince got to get out the starting five. Prince. Prince has to get out the starting five. LeBron needs to go back to the three. They need to find a, a four. And then I think if they get Colin Sexton or Murray, I think it will work out. Because I think they're missing that consistency. And I think Colin and DeJounte has that they can feel in that, and they play good defense, both of them. And then Murray, he's he's not a distraction. All he does, and I've watched several interviews of him. He doesn't drink, he doesn't party, he doesn't smoke, he doesn't do anything. All he does is play basketball. That's what the Lakers need. When they won those championships, and when they went deep into the playoffs, they had a solid point guard. Ray John Rondo was one of them. Uh, I mean, it's. Derek Fisher. Derek I mean, Fisher. the list goes. <laughs> list goes. Uh, Derek Fisher. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, the, <laughs> the list goes on. I think that's what they're missing. And then uh-huh. get the ball out of LeBron's hand. LeBron just needs to, to roam and let him eventually turn on the Jets and, and get into the mix. But I think if they have Colin Sexton or DeJounte Murray, I think it will work. Anybody else, I don't want to fit. I think Colin Sexton is not a big, huge contract, even though I think oh, – I think they have the cap space. I think if they get Colin Sexton or DeJounte Murray, I think it will work. And yeah. then try to find a four. I don't know what four you can get, um, and that's tricky. But that's I do think they need to get LeBron out of the four and put him back at the three. Oh, yeah. It's like you said, when LeBron is roaming and he's not having to be that often, that guy who's got the ball in his hands, having to set up plays, mm-hmm. that's going to drain LeBron. That's going to yes. be kind of something that, that 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 brings down his kind of like offensive output because, mm-hmm. you know, he is getting older and he kind of needs to conserve his energy yes. for April, May, and, and hopefully June mm-hmm. for them. So that's that's really what he where they need to be at. I definitely agree. Now, they have to find that four. Um, and Cam Reddish, I like him coming off the bench defensive-wise, but he's not going to give you buckets anymore. Um, and then they need some of these guys to step up. Austin Reeves needs to step up big time. Big, 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 big time. If they don't get the four, if they get DeJounte Murray or if they get uh, Colin Sexton, I think it will help out. Get a real DJ, uh, D. Russell. Probably – um, who else will go if they if they got him? Ooh, probably Gabe Vincent will probably go. Christian Wood will probably go. They'll have to give up a lot. They have to give at least two two players or some some draft picks to get Colin Sexton. Murray, oh, I yeah, think sure. they could get for they'll get for a good price. But Sexton, he's playing great basketball right now. If they want to poach him, yeah, it's going to cost cost definitely cost more. Not saying Murray's not playing good basketball, but you could tell Sexton is just that difference maker for that team. Yeah, just it's just that tenacity, bro. Like even when they had Patrick Beverly, I like Patrick Beverly with the Lakers when they had him. He was a good addition. Like they need that type of that aggression. Yeah, help that 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 that, that aggressiveness that they kind of lack when they don't Mm -hmm. have players like that. He can he could definitely provide that for them. Um, and, and the the major news of yesterday was Pascal Siakam going to the Pacers. Yeah. Um, I like uh, Indiana, that. Indiana sent Bruce Brown, Jordan Nora, and three first round picks to Toronto. Two of the first round picks going to Toronto are for twenty twenty four. Um, and I mean Siakam is so versatile defensively. Um, he can he can can score as well. And mm-hmm. I think he was kind of a coveted asset for a lot of teams that were kind of struggling. Indiana though, you you place him next to Tyrese Halliburton, they can do a lot of good things in the postseason. Uh, how do you kind of feel about that move? for Indiana and just, you know, how Siakam can fit with them. Great move, especially them sitting at number yeah. seven. I think they're – obviously they felt they were missing one piece. And All Siakam right. is obviously great on front court and back court. They can give you buckets and get great defense. I think with him, Halliburton, I think it will be a good mixture. Now they're going to have to move some, some pieces around. I think they're at least missing one more guy. But I think Siakam is the right move uh, in the right direction. Because yeah. we've seen what he can do, especially when they won the the NBA Finals with uh, Ka- Kawhi before he said deuces to them. He played a pivotal part. Obviously, friend v- Van Fleet played a pivotal part as well. But Siakam has has grown up over the years and became that player that we were talking about for eons on our on, oh, yeah. on the podcast. That we were like, Siakam can be that guy. He can be that difference maker. And I think he can. I think sitting at number seven, I think that's a great move. You need something to get you over the hump, especially after the break. I think Siakam is that. It obviously, is going to take 
a couple weeks in to get acclimated and get that chemistry with everybody. But once they get the rolling, I think I think they're in a good mix. They can do it, man. Yeah. This is this is a great fit for them because I mean, Indiana is starting to really sh- they're really starting to show everybody, hey, we got a star in mm-hmm. Tyrese Halliburton, a guy who can like really um, make make waves throughout the league. And kind of needs that just that one postseason to get that experience before they really start to take off. So I think you pair him with another elite guy because Tyrese, he's going to find out that, hey, I can't be the only guy who's like being mm-hmm. elite scoring, especially in the postseason. So when you add Siakam, that's just going to bolster what they can do. Um, and, and, I, and I think within that mix, man, looking at the West, the Clippers are really impressing me, man. The Clippers <laughs> are really impressing me. Really? I think I think this Clippers team could could go to the finals. I think this Clippers team could go to the finals. I really do. And the reason Welcome I say that Welcome to Wellington's corner, ladies. <laughs> Wellington's corner, think... ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but I really think that I really think the Clippers, man, they could be the team that could get into that mix because Kawhi, he is extremely extremely versatile. Russell Westbrook coming off the bench, that's going to be major for them. And then you got Harden; he's 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 flowing with what he's doing in that that starting that starting five. Not saying that they will get to the finals, but I think they can be a threat because I still think Denver is that that number one that number one team. But the Clippers, even when I was watching them against OKC, I was like, this team is like actually a lot better than than how they started off, and now they're just. The piece is Tyron Lue, he knows how to put the chess pieces together. I, I don't know. Uh, and maybe maybe you disagree. <laughs> I'm just I'm just taking it all in, bro, because yeah. I thought, you know, you were you were against this Clippers team. You have a change of heart. Okay. I was at first. I was at yeah. first. But That's I'm saying like, what? <laughs> I was at first, but it's a long season, man. It is a, it is a <laughs> long season. Games, huh? <laughs> <laughs> now I get it. They're they're starting we kind of briefly talked about it last week. They're starting to play for each other more and no low management. They're starting Paul George had an incredible night last night. They had 38 points and some other some other uh, um stats. But <laughs> <laughs> my concern Feeling is, for me as I put my as I put my mic back. <laughs> so <laughs> <concern, laughs> we got a Swiss watch. Uh, yeah. <laughs> my concern is is that they're gonna they're gonna gassed. And I know yeah. you said, oh, what about low management? No, because it took them so long to get in the groove of playing team basketball. Yeah. Now I'm wondering how long they can withstand it. Can Paul George stay healthy? Can James Harden step up and, and be relevant and when, if they go and make a playoff run? Yeah. I know Russ, the one, most consistent thing on this team is Russell Westbrook because Russ has been doing it since he got there. He's oh, been consistent. Sure, he's been finding his role. He's been doing what he had to do. But my my concern is Paul George and James Harden. And then Kawhi is if he's healthy still, no little management, I think he'll be consistent too. Those four guys. Four guys. We didn't even mention anybody coming off the bu- bench. You got four but, bucket getters who can put up something at any point, man. Four oh, bucket man. getters. <laughs> I, I gotta I gotta believe it to see it. Or see yeah. it to believe it. See it to believe it. <laughs> Um, and now get into our first album review with 21 Savages, American Dream. In this new project, you know, there, there's an elite beats that 21 has always kind of had a good ear for in modern hip hop. There's deep cut R&B samples. He has wit and frankness and a lot of bars on these tracks. Man, I like this album. I like this album a lot, bro. 
I really do. And, and, and the, the thing about it is I like the fact that it's 15 tracks. Um, he's, he like, he goes in it with mm. a certain intent of like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to go with not a bloated album, but a, but a track list that I think is actually like, well, has well-constructed songs in it. I think there's well-constructed songs in this album. And I think, um, he's improved his wordplay in some cases. He's obviously not one of those elite rappers that, that mm. we have, but I, but I think 20, I think this was a good album. I like it. Mm. I like the direction and I thought the features uh, in it, and it were good. Uh, and I know you have the dismissive look. So I'm going to let you cook. I'm going to let you cook. I'm going to let you cook. Nah, bro, finish. You do you. Bro. I'm going to let you cook, man. I'm going to let you cook, man. Nah, I, I, I thought it was better than all his other albums. That's what I'm saying, man. He literally, sw- like, let it to my brother. Brother, I sw- like, I could, like, he tried to be Drake. Like, he was actually rapping. And there's some yeah, other man. tracks in here that he switched up the beats. He's actually rapping like a normal rapper. Which I I like his style. Like the song that got me, I wanted to be like, then this, this album's stupid. Sneaky, bro. I don't know why I like Sneaky. That's his the same thing. Sneaky, bro. <laughs> his flow on Sneaky, I was like, oh, okay. And I wanted to hate it. And I was like, oh, okay. And then it just got better and better and better. And I'm like, man. Can I just be honest, man? There were so many, so many times I was thinking, like, man, I'm not going to like this. I know I'm not going to like this. But I ended up liking it. Yeah, I ended up liking it, man. Twenty one impressed me on this album, bro. It's a sleeper. really did, bro. It's a sleeper. It's a sleeper. Album, yeah, this is this is solid, bro. And I love, I love the features, like you said. It it was it wasn't like a lot of features, but I think no, nah, it was a lot of features actually. But he put me on people that I never heard of. Yeah, you like, didn't even know of, yeah. Tommy Newport, Miki Echo, never heard of them. Um. I I skipped that number four song. That's that's a sleeper, man. That's a sleeper. His his flow on that I was tough. His flow on that was tough. I'll I'll be sleep all day. <laughs> I'm not listening to the Doja Cat, man. Anti Doja. But nah, this was definitely sleeper, bro. It was. He really impressed me how he switched up the flow that he showed yeah. that he's capable of rapping like this. But this is my style. I'm a. But yeah, this was definitely versatile. This was the first time I've seen versatility in twenty one. Oh yeah, man. I, yeah, I, yeah. This is this was this was solid. I like this one. I just want to say, saved. Red. <laughs> it did. Red was rum, it? red rum. Oh, is crazy. Yes, that song yes. is crazy. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> how the bro. the sample in the beginning and how it switches. I was like, this man is flowing. This man is flowing. <laughs> Buddy, buddy must listen to like <laughs> some some bro. He was on. I, I don't know what I know he what did. his playlist is. I really want to know what his music playlist is because I feel like he listens to a lot of different music. <laughs> bro, he's yeah, he's he uh, he definitely Schlatter Gang LLC baby Schlatter Gang. Shout out Schlatter Gang. Uh, but nah, yeah, this really put me in a different light with Twenty One that he can do other things. That versatility that he has in there, like same thing we we said with um, Kodak Black when he did it with. Kendrick Lamar, we're like, okay, Kodak can really get into that realm of, and okay, okay, Kodak, Kodak's legit. And then now 21, because we already know he do, you know, trap, gangster rap, whatever, whatever, but he can get into that. Letter to my brother really showed me that he he, he can get into that mode if he wanted to. Obviously, it's that not showed like, me something. That yeah. showed me something, man. Because when it came, I was like, this sound like the Drake rap on. Yeah. Yeah. And what if he got the beat from one of the producers? Matter of oh, fact, yeah, wait. 
Kings Elite. Oh, let it to my brother. Let me see who's who got credited. No, wait, wait. I don't know any other. What she calls them? It's a lot of people on this, actually. Yeah, it's a lot of people that had credit on this. He had a lot of credits. <laughs> producer, producer, producer. And then composition of lyrics, composer. Wait, who's Paola Barbara? And Shia? He didn't write this himself? I think 21 had a lot of writers for this album. <laughs> that just makes it, whoa. Whoa. Maybe that's why he did it this way. They had writers. There's two other writers on there. Yeah. Oh, 21. I take it back. He's not. He's <laughs> not personal. He's not. But everybody this, has ghost writers. So. good. I'm just going to say yes, this album sounded really good. We're going to leave it alone. Great leave it job, alone for this 21. Time. Great in one. The camp. Yeah, this is a great one. This is this is a different one. This is this how you start 2024, brother. That's what I... This is the this is a tone setter for the year, man. This is a tone setter for the year. Like, how much pressure do you think it is for an artist um, to just decide, hey, I want to put an album at the start of the year? I feel as though that's something that you really got to be bold and really be confident yeah. in, in what you're doing because that's that's tough. Beginning of the year to start the year out, but it's yeah. actually it's a smart move because obviously people listen to old music and then. Yeah. They are on new rotation, looking for new artists. You drop there, you get their attention. They'll listen to the full year. So I, I get it, but it's definitely bold. It has to be tough. Excuse me. It has to be really tough. Got to be, has to be engaging, has to not be redundant. And I think this album, like we always love to say, check all the boxes. It did. Even got ghostwriters in there. <laughs> that ghostwriter's part, you're not going to like go. <laughs> <laughs> when you did that, same I was like, man, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, man. It's I'm I'm okay with like ghostwriters to a certain extent, but if it's throughout your whole album, I'm like, yo, bro. Anywho, nah, I'm not gonna take away from anything. This was a great album. For sure. Um, and I'll get into our Kid Cuddy's um insane overview in his new album that's narrated by Dita Drama. It's got a lot of positive vibes for production that's more trapped in some of the dreamlike soundscape uh, he usually uses. Um, and this was an interesting one. I thought this was this type of this kind of had like this the spring summer vibes, um, and it, it was it was just some it was just all kind of all over the place for me, man. Yeah. It's not it's not it's not one I'm gonna I'm revisit. This Absolutely. American Dream one, like 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 what you saw with Twenty One Savage, I'm that's just one I want to go back and listen to. That's just one I want to revisit. Yeah. This one is like when I had to like. Think about it for the podcast again. I was like, okay, do I really want to listen to this again? I really rather listen to Twenty Ones. I just, I just didn't want to run back. This, this is not one I see myself revisiting a lot. No, I only say one song. That's Get Off Me. The beat is crazy. I think he came <laughs> over. Yeah, it's, it's, I think he came all right. And then Travis Scott brings in that different element to bring it together. But yeah, it was all over the place. And I was my concern was Kid Cudi. What else do you have to talk about? Are these songs that you have stopped? I think that Young Thug song he had for a while. Yeah. And he's finally releasing it. It's a it's a lot of tracks on his song. I mean, a lot of tracks on his album. And I just thought it was it was all over the place. Even the Little Wayne, I didn't like. I was just like, okay, kid, Cuddy, what, why? It's like somebody you that want to talk all the time, all the time, all the time, bro. Like, what do you want to talk about? Stop talking. <laughs> Stop doing music, kid. 
this really do you ever have that co-worker that just talked like all the time from the beginning of the morning and i'm like it's the beginning of the morning and you already want to talk about whatever and i'm like what did you it, drink it, it, it just, you just take some time to just wake up. <laughs> yes, bro. Like, can I just like, bro, I don't want to talk, bro. I have my headphones in. Is that not an indication? Yeah, I don't want to talk to nobody. And I don't, I'm not really ready to, to have a combo. <laughs> and I have a whole conversation, bro. Um, good morning. Good morning. That's all right. I do my pleasantries. I do my pleasantries. <laughs> man, that's crazy, man. Kid Cuddy. This, this one is... I think yeah. it's t- I think it's time for for Cuddy to t- for Kid Cuddy to just kind of take a step back and just tarnish I, mean, I don't think we need any more music, man. Yeah, I think, I think we're this good. did not add to your. <laughs> it's to actually your like it's kind of taken away from some. Of yes, <laughs> bro. Because what is this, bro? I love the cover art. That's about it. <laughs> Insano. <laughs> sounds like a. I don't know. What, it sounds like a, a horror film title or something. <laughs> no, for real. By Key and Peele. <laughs> By Key and Peele. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and now getting into our next review with, with Rome Street's Noise Candy 5. Um, in this album released last year, the Brooklyn MC is extremely consistent, tries more of the slows in this one. It was a dope mix of, uh, as, I, as he likes to say, lyrical architecture. And most of these songs were recorded in 2020, and he wanted to release it before his um, international tour in Austria. Um, and Rome Street is a guy I really have liked um, the past couple of years. Um, it, part of that Griselda camp, he's going to be consistent lyrically. Um, he's going to... He's gonna try a lot of things. I think this one he was he tried more trap than he usually does. Yeah. Um, so you, what did you kind of think about this project and, and what he brought with it? Hmm. Drew, I like this one. Yeah. I did. What What I like the most about I like the switch up from when it when it get to Joey the fire uh, fire at the uh, the auto mine. I thought that song was bonkers. Oh yeah, I, was I play that all the time Man. off on a whole album. And it's then insane-o. I love the I love the Currency track. I love how mellow it is, and I and I like how because um, that's how Currency normally does his music. And I love how Ron Shreese kind of met that and then yeah. put his own twist to it. And it was more trap than I thought it was going to be because I know he's he's very lyrical. Boom bap, boom bap rap. Yeah, he's that New York. Type type vibes, old school hip hop type vibes, but he's still rapping his butt off. I, I enjoyed this. I did. I did enjoy this because he didn't bore me. Like with some hip hop um, albums, you know, it's authentic hip hop, but sometimes it's like, okay, I know you're gonna give me boom pap. I know you're gonna yeah. say certain things. I know the hook is gonna be this way. There's a formula to this, but with this, I didn't get bored. I played it straight through. I played straight through twice and I was like, okay, the first time I was like, okay, this is nice little, all right. And then I played in a different mode. I played it first thing in the morning this morning and I was going to see if it hit the same. Hit it definitely. <laughs> hit the same. I was so, thinking about this though. I was thinking about this though. This is, this is, this is just a random, this is a random thought. Rome Streets to me comes across as one of those guys. Like if he was walking down the sidewalk and there was a cypher, a random cypher freestyle. I feel uh, as though Rome Streets would go in and try to and try to freestyle as well. He comes across I as one so. of those guys to me who, like to to you, who uh, like who would who else would you put in that just rappers in your mind that that if there was a cipher and a freestyle, they're walking on the sidewalk, they would join and be like, hey, "I'm a freestyle too," like just just, yeah. just young, old, it doesn't matter. Just a mix, yeah. Um, Ace Top Rocky. Yeah, he would. He freestyles all the freaking time. 
Um, I know a lot of people going most deaf, Yazin Bay. He would, he would. He he was stop, he freestyled, he used to freestyle all the time. Ooh, hmm. No, not didn't nah, he don't freestyle most of the time. Ooh, um Corday. I think Corday would, would want to yeah, freestyle. Mm. Nas. Oh, thank you. Nas would definitely I love that. Common. Common's Common would. Common would kill that. Common, Common does it all it. the time. Um, but now it's 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 hard to this new group of rappers, they're not gonna get up there or stop somebody freestyle, they're not gonna freestyle. But those definitely For I sure. think I think uh uh um Oh my goodness, Jid, I think oh, oh, I think yeah. he'll he'll, he'll get up in he there because he, he would be confident, super confident. I've seen him freestyle, and it's just like effortless. He was just literally him and Black is another Black is another one who will freestyle mm-hmm. with you too. But nah, he was just in there rolling something that he's supposed to roll, <laughs> and he was just eyes closed and just start freestyling, and he was killing it, eyes yeah. closed and all, just feeling it. And then obviously, Black Dog. Black Dog. Black Thought would do it. Yes. Yes. So underrated. Yeah, so underrated, man. Oh my goodness, Black Thought is so underrated. That boy be spitting. For sure. Him and um, oh. Um, he was part of Tribe Quest. Uh he had his own podcast. Oh. Ooh. Oh. He got his own podcast. Oh, he be having everybody on there. He's with Tribe Quest. Talib, yeah, Talib Kweli. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he he yeah. another one to get, but okay, I, I think I've, I think Fonte Fonte from Little Brother Wood. He's one of the best. I think he's one of the best rappers. Yes, he would. Fonte's catalog is crazy, man. Fonte is so. Yes, cool. he would. Fonte Fonte got the he checked the box. He can sing too. I was telling Jamil yeah. like that's just that's just that's unfair. <laughs> yeah, but he checked all the boxes. He checks all the boxes. That's why he was successful by himself. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and now getting into it's our next review with Madison uh, Ryan Ward's a new thing. I'm um, in her de- debut album. The singer stays in her R&B genre throughout, the, 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 throughout this project. It works well with her rich tone. There's an edginess and confidence in it. She's been linked with just so many industries: Christian, CHH, and R&B. Um, and this was just such a good mix of of, of songs. It was 22 songs, but it really flowed well because I mean, some of these songs yes. were like only two minutes. It wasn't like one of those like you know, even though it was a, a longer project, it wasn't like a drawn out one where it just dragged. I thought it was uh, sequenced so well. She's she's just different to me. Her tone is different. Um, she flows with this type of uh, instrumentation so nicely. Um, so you, mm-hmm. what did you kind of think about this project and, and just like her early start to her career? Beautiful voice. There's she's a mixture. She has that the right pitch. It's not too deep. It's not too high. She has range, but I love her her consistent, steady pitch on songs yeah. and. I I really thought like I saved the whole entire thing. That's how you know you like it. I listened to every track, and it was it was similar to um what's her name who sounds like Sade, Naomi Sharon. Yes, I listened to her whole album straight through. I don't skip it. It's certain songs I like more than other songs, but I would not dare disrespect the entirety of that oh, album because it was so beautiful. And I think this is on the same level. Cause man, She's and you good. said you got put on. I got put on. Yeah, I, I, I love got, her voice. And then I love the name. A new thing. It's kind of like a spring. I love the cover art. 
And I love that she uses, I hope that's her full name, Madison Ryan Ward. I mm-hmm. just like her whole, her whole thing. And then she's with Zelda House oh, Records. records. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta love it. But yeah, no, she's, she checks boxes. She has a bright future. And she's a beautiful girl. Beautiful, beautiful girl. So she checks boxes. I see why she got signed. She has a beautiful voice. She has potential. She has a versatility. Yeah, she's she's going to be around for a long, long time. Long, another, long time. another segment I wanted to add to the show. If you were this artist A and R, if you were this artist A and R, what would you tell them? So if you were Madison Ryan Ward's A and R, what would you tell her? Bro, that's a first of all phenomenal <laughs> addition to the music music topics. I would tell her to continue to build her sound. And we have to find what her audience is. Obviously, we got to look through the numbers, what state, what are demographics, what it is. But you have to find your own sound. I think she doesn't sound commercial just yet. And and as AR, I don't want her to be commercial because I think she can have that distinguished sound of her own. Because her voice, I don't think she sounds like anybody else. But having that own signature sound, that's what I'll be working towards at AR. Finding her demographics, finding her who really loves her music, and then telling her to stay true to what she's doing. I haven't listened to other her old music, but if I was NR, I would want her to. She would be like, oh, the Clear Soul. Oh, yes. She yes. would be my Clear Soul. She yes. would be out. Do not change. Don't change at Do all. Don't try to come commercial. Yes. The the audience. And your wheelhouse. Your fan, yeah, your fans, your wheelhouse, your audience will come. Just stay consistent with this. I'll do the rest. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, she's that's yeah. Perfect. She has a beautiful voice. Definitely. Um, and now getting to our last. <laughs> I like that. Well, it's a, that's dope. Bro. I was thinking about it because I was like, man, I feel as though because we talk about it so that's much, so, so much. Like, just what would be what would be like our our our, our like recommendations Ooh. in our in our opinions? Yeah. I I'll throw you another one, bro. As an A and R, which song on the album would you drop as a single? If we let's get to it, if we go do it, let's, let's get, get to it. Let's get to it, man. Because man, because that's a dope, bro. That's so dope. I've never heard any other podcast do that. <laughs> well, listen, come on now, brother. Come on, brother. But yeah, I know forever it's a lot now. of song. I like forever now. You hear that? Come on, man. Come on, man. Yes. Okay, A&R. Hey, man. Hey, we're here to set things straight in 2020. Yeah. To me, to me. I think when I hear that. To me, when I hear that. No, that's a single song. Yes. That's a single song. You got the ear for music. Well, I'll tell you, you know that. (laughs) I never questioned that, brother. (laughs) Is there a particular one? Is there a particular one you would pick? That That, That one? Yeah, yeah. That one stood out the most when it first came on. Like, the first five songs. I was like, okay, this is cool. And then... That one's just really, and then it gets to it, and then you just yes. vibe after that. You just, you're just in a trance. But now, nah, Forever Now is definitely a single song. Bro, such a good song. Such a good song. Well, it's <laughs> with, with the perfect pick, man. <laughs> um, and I'll get into our last review with Russ Said It Freestyle. In this track, Russ is really an open book throughout. He discusses working on personal growth and staying true to himself over a cold and moody instrumental. Um, and, and I thought, man, Russ is, is one of those artists. He's such an interesting artist because um many times he can go into just you know a rapping back and then other times can be more melodic um and and even when i first heard the snippet of it it was just one i was drawn to because that instrumental and i like everything he was saying in it i thought it was just one of those 
um, you know, it's, it's more of like that album type feel, but it's just like one of those deep cuts, like later in the project, you know, before you're about to get to the outro. Um, how did you kind of feel about this, this song and, you know, what he put together in it? I think he was flowing, bro. Um, I think what he was talking about was really dope. Um, and it has some substance to it. And I think when he just raps, I think he's, he's so, so, so good. Obviously he can do the, (laughs) the catchy hook songs, the low key pop songs, but when he really, really, really raps, bro, that's crazy. We forget that he can because he does those, does those type of songs. <laughs> but that one album, I can't remember the name of it. Chomp 2. Chomp 2, yeah. yeah Boy, I have never been that impressed with Rush. And I'm like, bro, why are you doing I understand why you're doing those type of tracks, but this is where you should be. And every time he does a freestyle, I'm always glued in because he's he, his pen is really certified. Don't, yeah. don't think Rush is just one of those pop, uh, hook writing rappers, no boy got bars. Boy, boy would get busy with the pen, but now nah, I really enjoy this. He was talking some real stuff too, definitely. And yeah, I just want to say that the the the, clip, the uh, most F Drake clip, man. The the the, the commenters had things to say. The commenters had things to say, like you guys are Drake haters. I was like, first of all, we're, we're definitely not. We're definitely. Well, how did we even we say, didn't say anything we about? Other people said, other people said, then other people said, you guys can't say he's one of the best rappers ever. It was a mixed bag because I mean, people, people are going to have their own different. And I'm like, first of all, he definitely is. He definitely is one of the best rappers we ever had. I think most Def skill, he's got to be respected too. Because most Def, I mean, singing and rapping. Um, he Drake opened up for for most Def in 06. So I mean, like that was a guy he wanted to, to to look up to. How did you feel about his response? Drake's response that he, he put it he used his own used most deaf lyrics in a, in a um an Instagram story. Oh, I did, you, I did see yeah, that. Right, I did yeah, see, yeah, I did see that. I didn't that. think it was no shot or anything. Yeah, I didn't think it was a shot or anything. I heard Peter Rosenberg say Peter Rosenberg put it perfectly. He was like, I think out of all the people that could have said something in a like um different tone, like a like. When he was saying the, the, the skews and all that, I think that's probably where Drake took it a little personal just because like most is probably someone he pro- probably has in high esteem. So I think the only person that probably would take a little personal is Drake because he's like, man, growing up, I did just want to be a rapper. I just had, I had to become a, a different type of artist because of all the commercial ties I have. So I, I think that's more so what it was. Yeah, but I did. Ex- I did expect to hear some type of type of response from, from Drake. Yeah. I just, I just I, hate that. I say that they can't be on the same page about things. Is I know they they had such an admiration for each other when when things just started off. And and again, I don't think it was a diss. If at the skews, I don't think the skews part was a diss. It was just an added joke to the target thing. Um. But it did I feel like I, he had a little haze. It did feel like no, he added a little extra sauce to it, man. I'm just saying no. the more the more and more I look at that clip. She didn't say it though. She said it. She said that's Bring a lot up. of skews. That's a setup. That's a setup. So yeah. obviously you're on a show, you you you're vibing out, you're gonna be like how we say for all the dogs. Like that's oh yeah, we just know, go along with it. Yeah, just go just, along with it. I don't think I think most deaf understands what Drake is. And again, I don't think he was dissing Drake. I just think in that time, if you were hip hop, you break dance and all these things. You wasn't doing other genres and saying you were this. I think that's what he was trying to portray in so many words. I do think most Dev thinks Drake is a phenomenal artist, but oh, he's just sure. he's not stamped hip hop. 
That's it. People always That's blow it out of proportion. And you said it was gonna go crazy. You said you said it was people was gonna go crazy about it. And oh yeah, man, I knew. Yeah. It's so funny. It's so funny because we literally talked about it the day of. Like we yeah. were we were we were supposed to. Re- it, we didn't even know it was gonna happen. We just literally the day it happened, we were happened to record, and I was like, hey, I didn't I didn't mind it being that day. Right. <laughs> And then he was like, man, people are going to take it out of proportion. They're going to do like, yeah. yeah. And that's exactly that's, what they that's did. Cool. <laughs> and people talking about who is most deaf. Who's Jazz and Bay, bro? Yeah, you guys, y'all don't know hip hop. That's it's why y'all don't know hip hop. Boy, most deaf matter. Man, come on, Black Star. I was come re-listening on. to Black on both sides. I was, I was re-listening to his catalog this past weekend, man. Boy, dude, is, is dude is nice. Now, I will say this. Before, before we go to break, man, I'm never going to forget <laughs> in that music video of Alicia Keys, that man ordered a fish special and some... <laughs> Boy, Bowles <laughs> is over with. Somebody, man, that, somebody, said, somebody said, of course he can't remember your name. <laughs> Man's stomach was on fire. <laughs> Who orders that with a hot cocoa, bro? In, what, it was in New York? Yeah, and she looked at him like, hot chocolate? She, <laughs> she had to ask him. <laughs> <laughs> what do I want to wash this down with? Nah. Oh, <laughs> hot chocolate on all things. Boy, gonna be on the toilet before he get to work. Somebody said he couldn't go back at? to work. <laughs> Where you work at, sir? I'll be the work construction. <laughs> Yo, man, bro. That porta potty. That porta potty is through, man. <laughs> we're gonna be right back. We're gonna take a quick break, and we're gonna do a review of Friday Night Lights. Welcome back to the show, and now we're getting to our Friday Night Lights review, and we're joined by a special guest once again, Trent Morales. He's been on many past episodes and uh, many reviews that we've done. Thanks so much for being back on, man. Yeah, it's great. Always great, great to be here with you, brother. Uh, unfortunately, uh, brother Savon, just always missing out, man. Always missing out. Listeners, we just I keep trying to preach to him. You gotta watch good content. You gotta watch good quality content, and this show is is it, it fits under that. Fits under that belt. <laughs> he fits under that belt, man. Twenty twenty four, Savon. I, I know you're listening to this right now. He's listening. Yeah, yeah Savon, step your game up, son. It's, t- it's time to go to the next level because, like, yeah, sure, where, where, where you're sitting at is not. It's not gonna cut it. <laughs> well, for this review, to start the overview, this show center on the rural town of Dillon, Texas, where winning the state football championships prize above all else. Coach Eric Taylor guides high school football team through pressure-filled seasons while dealing with struggles relating to his own family. Some of the actors uh, for the cast included um, Kyle Chandler, Connie Britton, Taylor Kitsch, Zach Guilford, and Jesse Clements. And, um, and and thinking about this show, man, you know, getting to our, our even before our first topic, like when you when I think about this show, I think about um, so many memories of it. Uh, obviously, it's it's one of those shows where the episodes. And the characters, especially in the first two seasons, first three seasons, like you're just attached to you. Um, growing first up, episode, first episode, literally, first episode, <laughs> literally, man. Like I, 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 this, uh, I think a few months ago, Netflix, it was it was back on Netflix, and I saw it, and it had been a while since I rewatched it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you know what? I think I'm gonna try it. I think I'm gonna try, it. and I was like, I'm hooked. If you follow me on Twitter, I've been like tweeting about it, like nonstop. <laughs> I'm, I just just hooked to it. It just brings back that nostalgia for me, like. When you just think of the show and initially, like what first comes to your head? Yeah, man. Yeah, it, you know. So whenever we, uh, so um, we watched that show like 
we were like early, like my wife is like early in our marriage, right? And a, a good friend of ours had recommended the show to us. And like, there's literally, like, we would like save money to buy the DVD sets. Like, literally, mm. I, I, could, like, I could walk into my living room, right, which is right here, and wow. like grab the sets for you. I have, we had the individual, like, for the seasons, like, in still in our house. And so it, 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 it's cool to kind of have a, a physical copy of it. But we would literally like save up money just so we could go like buy the next season and then blitz through it, right? So this is really before like Netflix was definitely still kind of the like it was the premium like king at the time, right? But it, streaming wasn't nearly as big as it is today, where you could just access anything pretty much at any point in time, right? And yeah, it, I remember yeah, the, the, the first episode like when when Jason Street gets paralyzed and you're just like, oh man, we are diving right, right into, into this it. thing, man. Like, I mean, almost kind of like a Breaking Bad-esque kind of dive in of like, you are submerged right into the show. You know? No hesitation. No hesitation. No hesitation whatsoever. Like, <laughs> it, it, it felt like a show that, and I, I've listened to some interviews with, with the cast because I know like a lot of the cast have come back together as of late and have like kind of talked about like, Kind of re- recalling Reunion. the yeah the, the the previous like the, the the filming of everything and there was obviously this piece of like they didn't know whether it would like continue on right but the way that first episode like was shot produced filmed presented it felt like a show that had been going on for at least two seasons prior to that right I was like we like you know we we're just like right into the middle of this but I mean because you get hit immediately with like the um, with the, the the big high school football player who's sleeping with another girl in school, you get hit with a coach, you know, like game week, and of course, uh, was, was it slamming Sammy Mead, like his yes. voice coming in, like uh, Texas football is here, everybody. I mean, just I mean, you get submerged right into the culture, and of that's what a voice you're going to hear every episode, yes. every <laughs> episode, yes, every episode, and the thing is, like, because I, I've you know, obviously, I have not my own personal self not taking in texas football like in a high school level like that but i know people who have been there and and they're like yeah i mean that's just how it is it is literally so surreal and you bank your whole sometimes you kind of bank your whole entire life off of whether you win on friday night or not man absolutely um and and getting to our first topic kind of like what makes this the show memorable years later um to me it was a different type of high school football shows i really highlighted the everyday lives of you know popular stars who so so many so many times we get these like kind of vague descriptions of these players this time we got like real in-depth like hey how are they on an everyday-to-day basis texas with texas football is king obviously that was highlighted all of all of that and just like the interpersonal relationships of, of the coach's family and his daughter as well. I mean, there's just, there's so much in-depth character analysis. So you kind of like what elements like kind of makes this show memorable even years later? Yeah, it's a, it's a show that actually sticks to kind of what it knows best. Right. And I mean, I mean, no, I mean, no shade to like, you know, other shows are trying to replicate it, but like all American, like it's not, it's all American is not about high school football, right? All American is about the lives of high schoolers, that it, it somehow involves like football with that, right? Like football is almost football a side story, barely, yeah, barely, right? It, on. Yeah, it's a, it's a side story compared to this, right? But Friday Night Lights, like the central focus of this show, is high school football in Texas, small town Texas, right? 
And, and then you kind of have the balance of life outside of that. So that's what kind of helps it stand on its own. And I mean, like, again, just the people, the amount of like people who have had careers beyond the show, you know, like if you, if you really think about it, I'm thinking, like, thinking through this with you right now as I'm, as I'm like talking this out loud, like, you know, that's one of the few shows where like, not just like one or two people kind of like spin off and have a pretty significant career beyond that, but at least four or five, maybe six people have had like significant movies, oh, yes. TV shows, even be well beyond that. Right. When we talk about Taylor Kish, right. I mean, he's had, he's, he's carved, he, he starred in true detective season two. Uh, he starred in the, uh, the latest season of the terminal list with Chris Pratt recently. Right. Um, you think about uh, Zach Guilford, he's kind of carved out his own space with kind of like indie films, right? Uh, Jason Street, the guy who plays Jason Street, Scott Porter, has had some kind of like WB shows. And he's also yeah. like a, a pretty significant voice actor. Kyle Chandler, because Kyle Chandler was around long oh. before he ever did Friday Night Lights. Well, yeah. like, yeah, <laughs> he's had things even beyond that. So, uh, and then um, the, um, the, the girl who plays uh, Tyra, I, 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 her name's escaping me right now, is it, is it Adrian Polonicki or something like that? But I think she played in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I think she also played in John Wick. So she's had stuff all beyond that. And you just like, oh, like to see kind of how that cast is really. And of course, we'd be remiss. We can't we can't forget the biggest star of them all, Michael B. Jordan. Right. Mm -hmm. Just I mean, they've all had significant careers beyond a TV show. Whereas a lot of times, a lot of times what happens is. Is that like you may have one or two people to kind of really kind of spin off and kind of like kind of pave their own way, but right. like in this show, I mean, top to bottom, everybody's had careers beyond it. So it speaks to kind of the cast itself. It also speaks to kind of the, the directors and the writers and everybody who's involved with it. Peter Berg is obviously obviously really really well known at what he has done in the past. Um, so yeah, it, it comes down to a lot of a lot of factors. But I think that there's the, there's three kind of biggest things. Would be that you know you you built a story and you stuck to kind of what it is you're talking about. Uh, number two, the cast and like the cast and the, and the actors and actresses of who they who was portrayed just really stood out beyond that. Um, and then just I think just the direction of the show, it just felt like it was really thought out in a way that was really intentional, and it didn't like it didn't it didn't really feel like it left anything you know kind of like. Like no stone was not unturned except for like season two, whenever the writer strike cut it completely short. Yeah. So, which we'll talk about yeah. that in a little bit. Yeah, we're definitely going to touch on. That. <laughs> um, and and before we move on, I, you know, the show starts in '06. There, there's the the movie Friday Night Lights comes out in '04. Yeah, some people, you know, even 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 Michael Osevan, he he's he's mentioned that he lo- he loves the the movie Friday Night Lights. He was a little skeptical, you know, the reason he didn't get into it, he was skeptical about how the show would be. What do you think was kind of like, do you think Peter Berg knew that there was going to be some sentiments of like, hey, we're starting this show, a lot of people love the movie, and there mm-hmm. may be some skepticism about how is this going to dwarf into a really good show at the beginning? Well, I mean, even for me, like, I, so I, I really didn't take in Friday Night Lights, both the movie and the show, until a good bit after it had kind of like gone off the air and had been released, so... But, but I do remember like seeing like the movie Friday Night Lights. Oh, that's pretty. That's pretty cool. And then seeing the show like years later, I was like, wait a minute, why are they wearing blue uniforms? Like, wait, what, what, what's going on here? Right? <laughs> Did they just like rip off the entire thing? Right? It, it just didn't at the time. It really didn't understand like, the significance yeah. of like what was going on. Right? But 
you know, you, you, to your point, yeah, I think it, it it does it does transition pretty well. You know, whereas like, um, you know, I think it's also it's also a byproduct of the time, right? Friday Night Lights, the yes. movie, I think it's focusing on a different period of time, whereas like the show itself is focused on more kind of the period in which it was released. So it Absolutely. felt a little That's more like. You know, it felt a little more in touch with kind of what you were watching because, like, oh, oh, I remember like these days when you had this or whatever, versus like where like, um, you know, the one with um, Booby Miles and all that stuff that was definitely set in a later time, you know, decades oh, yeah. before them. So definitely, um, and I'll get into favorite character throughout the show. I think there's there's a this there's so, so hard, many man. there's this so many so you can pick. I was like, I've been going down to oh. like the buzzer the buzzer beater. Um, I'm I'm gonna go with Matt, man. I think he wasn't your normal jock, I love it, dude. And, and and he was extremely self aware. He mm. he was kind of sensitive to the typical tropes of being an athlete. I don't think he was your typical yeah. quarterback when you compare him to like a JD McCoy, who's a very just mm. you know uh, has braggadocia and all that. I can't stand him that. from from the first episode. <laughs> I cannot stand him. I still can't even rewatching it. Uh, who who was? And I know it's a tough question. Who was kind of your overall uh. character? So I actually, I actually ran through these questions last night with my wife. So I, as I mentioned, like my wife and I watched it together. Um, and I think for me, I, I think it's going to be Saracen as well, man. I think just the the overall well-rounded nature of his character. Um, and I think, you know, this is what like, you know, I think we as people, we find we find connection to what to the things we watch, right? We, we, we feel this, this semblance of like, you know, like art has a way of like filling in gaps. We didn't know we had. Right. Absolutely. And like, um, and I think Saracen in his life, just like balancing, like playing high school football, which again, you, you see Saracen, you're like, bro, you should not even be playing, oh, football, you be playing football. Period. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, that, you know, like the whole stand, he, like like the whole crowd. Whenever he got to the game, they're like, "You got to be kidding me! Not this right. game! Not yeah, this yeah, game!" Yeah. <laughs> he just like beams his offensive lineman in the back of the head with the football. It's so funny, right? But like you, but you have like this this kind of like dude who's trying to be a high school quarterback, work a job, be a caretaker for his grandmother who has dementia. You know, dad is absent serving in Iraq, and then just pops up whenever he wants to. Then his dad dies. Then you have a mom who's been absent and just pops up whenever she wants to. And just like you know, this this point where he just reaches this climax of like, I'm tired of doing for everybody else. I'm going to do for myself. And it's pretty hard. You you feel the ripple effect on the show whenever he departs, right? Um, but it's also like, you know, he just doesn't want to be caught into that, that small town like, Faster, of like I'm just going to do this. I'm going to work with the Alamo freeze. I'm going to do this, 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 and this. Yeah, stuck and, in a rut, kind of yeah, stuck he, in a yeah, rut. He, he, he was stuck that. in a rut, right? So he just he just made a gamble on himself and he left. And in at the end of the day, it really it really changed a lot of things about that show. But yeah, you just see like the the overall just like confidence he has, right? And just kind of uh, you just ride that wave with him, like. The confidence of like, oh, I'm I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man. And all of a sudden, JD McCoy comes in, just like it just starts to sink, right? And then, or or when Voodoo Tatum shows up, you're just like, I, I, he really cannot catch a break. Every time that he goes to ride that wave to go up, he then just sinks right back down again. But 
Did you but automatically the, think? Did you autom when J when JD kind of got in? Did you autom? I don't know if you remember, but did you kind of automatic? I feel like most audiences kind of felt as though, hey, he's eventually gonna get replaced. He's just like yeah. this, even though this kid is, even though this kid is dislikable, he he's got an arm and he's got that talent that's mm-hmm. probably gonna take them over. Yeah, and, and I mean, it, it just, I mean, it's it, you know, it it speaks to kind of the, again the nature of kind of like a sports in itself, right? Like we get people get enamored with like what look with what looks good, what looks pretty, what looks beautiful, yeah. and like oh yeah, like you have JD McCoy who's like father is like a gazillionaire and blah 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 blah, right? And just like you know, just the sway with coaches and all that kind of stuff, and then obviously you know, Ch- you know Kyle Chandler or Coach Chandler gets replaced, and they yeah. just like take his quarterback coach and put him right in there to like the uh, to be the head man, right? So. Yeah, I mean, you felt it was going to happen at some point in time. And, like, at the end of the day, you know, like, at the expense of Saracen, you know, you just kind of saw how it, like, sunk his ship. And it and it sucks. And I hate that for him. But I do. But to kind of put a bow on that, on my answer to your, your question, yeah, I think that there's something about Saracen that just, you just, like, you feel like you want him to win at all times. Uh and uh, yeah, just even the, the dynamic between him and Landry, like I, I do one of my favorite scenes. Strong dynamic, very yeah. strong dynamic. Yeah, one of my favorite scenes is uh, whenever they're throwing the football in the yard, and his grandma comes out. It's like Matthew, you need to find yourself some new friends, <laughs> like that. Just, just, just brutal. Just brutal, brutal. man. So, and uh, but yeah, I mean, just, just, just a great. Uh, just a really great character, and uh, it was he was easy to root for uh, because he had everything stacked against him. Which I mean, I mean, you could say that about kind of about everybody. Everybody has something stacked. That's against what him. I kind of wanted to say. Yeah. You could almost say that about any character. And, and I, I know with you, there was probably a couple characters that almost made the cut. Was there anybody else that you were thinking of that almost made that list for favorite character that mm. you just kind of kept out? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, yeah, some. Uh, yeah, I'll share. I'll share my wife's answer because I think I agree with her on this. Like, you know, her hers is like Riggins, like Tim Riggins. Again, just somebody you really, you really. I mean, in a sense, you kind of admire. You're pulling for him to get it right, but you know he will never it. get it right. <laughs> like, even when things are going good for him, he's not yes, he finds a way to. I mean, just like even like the scene when he's driving away from school, just throwing his butt bag and books out of the window. It's like, dude. You knew you even in it. that college in that college classroom, he's like, "This is not Riggins. Riggins is not going to be." Yeah, in this is not classroom. Riggins, right? <laughs> and yeah, it's like, it's like yeah, Riggins is the guy who's drinking a beer in the middle of the day and just chilling in his house, right? I mean, that's just Riggins. And but but it's like there's also kind of this, again, there's just this nobility about him where it's like, oh, this guy. I think there is a genuine goodness to Good him. Guy in him. But he just can't get it right. He can't line it up to where he can make it right, and uh, even to the point, you know, where he like sends himself to prison to protect his man. brother's family. Right? I was it's just, just rewatching that episode, man. Heavy, heavy episode. Oh, it's such, such a heavy episode, right? And um, but yeah, but Riggins is there. Um, you know, uh, Vince Howard, dude. I mean. Yeah. You, 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 you gotta you gotta pull for Michael. We B. saw like a star brewing. A star was brewing. A star was yeah. Brewing. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no doubt. And <laughs> I mean, just yeah. You see, kind of that. Um, you see, kind of that that birthing and morphing of relationship between him and Coach Taylor, and just the trust that's built there to be able to do like it's like, hey, like, 
do what do what's right you know like do this with me and um yeah i mean the the, the dynamic of you know being a you know uh basically kind of kind of like saracen right and, and you can kind of say like you know michael b jordan kind of replaced zach guilford when zach guilford's character saracen went to chicago to study art right to do art like michael b jordan like vince became, became that next character right now here he is trying to provide for his point. mom yeah, trying to That's provide for his point. mom, for his little brother. Again, absent father who just pops up whenever his son starts doing really well. And, you know, again, having to form this bond with Coach Taylor of like trust, hey, to trust that I have your best interest at heart, right? And, and find a way to kind of just like navigate through the, the trials and tribulations that you face, realizing that, hey, if you get through this, there's something better on the other side for you. So, um, yeah, Vince is definitely up there, but I'm a bad dude. We we can literally. I mean, I think there's something about every character in the show <laughs> that I really, you know, just enjoy. Even the characters I'm not really too fond of, like a. Uh, who's your least? Who 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 who's like who's the bottom who, ranking? Who, of the characters who's the can't stand. You know, Buddy Garrity's up there, man. Buddy, like, but, but, but Buddy, old Buddy, cannot man. stand him. Oh, old buddy. I mean, again, I hate. I get, always finds a way to say the wrong thing. <laughs> always finds a way to say the wrong thing, and and even similar to like a, you know, Tim Riggins. I think he has true, like, you know, intention of heart, but he just can't get it right, and it ultimately cost him, cost him his family, cost him his marriage, and you know, he ends up basically with nothing in the end of it all, right? Um, uh, I'm trying to think about who else I hated. Uh, it, it, there's definitely some points where I could not stand. Like, uh, um, I'll see who else. Oh, I'm trying to think about who else I really did not like. I mean, there were some times where I think Julie was definitely annoying. It's I like to say, oh, that. I really like, am so glad you said that. Julie, you, was you, you're just like very annoying. You're just a teenager and you suck. <laughs> but but again but even there's there's some kind of admirable piece about like you know about each character that i can really point to and um it just speaks to the nature of that show but definitely um and i'll get into kind of like what was your favorite season um no, I'm go with so season one. I'm, <laughs> so I'm, it's it's tough though it's tough though because because like I, i'm gonna go with season one i think the storyline was developed Mm-hmm. In almost every episode, this was a longer season, but I, I think it, it gives you that feel of like, man, with Jason Street and that happening, that storyline was was just like one you can't forget, obviously. Yeah. And then, then the introduction of, of of Smash and and who he is as a player. Um, I, so I will go with season one, but I will say this: season three was a good season. Yeah, season actually, three I'm to me looking, was it. I'm actually looking over yeah. those episodes of season three right now, but keep talking though. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so to me, season three was, was, a, was a good season. I think it's one that, that grew on me more um, really after the, the disappointment of season two. Cause that was, a, I thought yeah. if the writer shock hadn't happened, that that could have been developed into something more. Uh, but, but season one to me is, is that top one season three is another one. I think season five was, was a, was a good closeout. Yeah. Um, yeah. To, to you kind of will be your favorite season. I think, you know, I was thinking about this last night as well. I think four, four might be one of my favorites. Um, okay. Just because it, you, because you, you, you bring in a whole new, like, storyline. Yeah, you're bringing in, you know, the, the adversity of the city of Dillon being split between West and East Dillon. And then Coach Taylor basically 
being told you're going to go here in, in light of the whole J.D. McCoy stuff, right? And um, and then because what it does is like it opens up a whole new cast of characters for that season, right? Um, you got you know like Luke Cafferty shows up. He's like, man, that why that white boy can play football, man. He's so good, <laughs> <laughs> right? But like you know, again, you know Vince Howard. Um, I, I'm trying to think about, about the uh, the big. The big black guy who plays offensive line. What was his name? Uh, I'm looking at IMDb right now. Um, uh, Dallas Tinker. Dallas Dallas Tinker, bro. Yeah, Yeah, like, you know, like, just, again, it brings in all these characters that you now get to go on a new journey with, right? Um, And I think it was probably the most unique challenge, whereas I think, like, you know, Taylor, Taylor had to, like, keep keep the wolves at bay, right? While he was at you know, um, at West Dillon. And uh, and now, when he goes to East Dillon, he has to kind of resurrect something that had died, right? I, you know, I, the, the moment when he looks at the scoreboard and he sees, like, you know, state champions of whatever year, it's right. like, how do, how do I get people to buy in once again to, the, to, the, to the, the history of this program? How do I get this community to kind of get really behind? Like resurrect it. Honestly, exactly. Really resurrect. resurrect this thing, right? Um, and you know, I think, I think the moment when he goes to the locker room and he just like eyes wide open and he looks and he's like, you know, there's a raccoon in this thing, man. Like, you know, just again, but like you know, he, he doesn't have the luxury of like, you know, booster support. He has, to raise, he, yeah. he has to raise funds for his kids to have uniforms to play football and to get new equipment. All that kind of stuff, right? Um, so it, it just really kind of speaks to like, just yeah, it, it presents a challenge that was like because you could, I mean, you could have stayed in that. I mean, you could have easily stayed in the vein of like, oh hey, we're just going to keep it as it is. He's going to stay here and be a coach forever, win more, more championships, all that kind of stuff, right? But but you chose to change it up, and I think it really impacted the season. But oh, then. Yeah. It is right after that, right? Which I think, again, it, I think there is something something to be said. And this is, I think it's something that Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, other shows have done pretty well. It's just knowing that, hey, this is coming to an end. Let's end this well, right? Um, and um, I think they ended it the best way they could, where he still got another championship. Coach Taylor was able to keep his family happy and follow his wife and pursue her dreams and passions. And uh, he gets to still keep coaching football. So, yeah, definitely. Um, and now, kind of getting to uh, well, I mean, before before we move on, though, we want to talk about season two. We want to talk about season two. Let's do it. Let's do it. We wanted to talk about season two, the writers' strike. When you look back at that season and uh, just really the pitfalls of it and 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 the incomplete nature of it, what do you what do you think about it? The legacy of it, and um, and just kind of that just that empty feeling of how that season was, was kind of um, closed out. Yeah. So I'm actually looking over the episodes right now. It, I do you mind like, like reminded me like, well, what was some of the big storylines in that season that, that kind of stood out? Do you remember off the top of your head? I, I feel as though with that season, if I'm remembering right, it, it, that's when smash. Um, oh, is, that, is that where he, is that where he gets busted with steroids? And yeah, all that? yeah. 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 So yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's, you're right because I, I looked at that as like, oh man, like season one had like 
22 episodes. That's a lot of episodes. A lot of episodes. And then, like, but like every season from there had, like, fit, like, 12 to 15, which I think is actually a pretty good sweet spot. Like, yeah, that's you, a good, you, that's you know, spot. like, it, it was kind of like that, that, that change of the guard, right? Of, like, because, you know, some of those, like, older shows, like, you, know, you think about, like, the other sitcoms of the world had, like, 20 plus episodes in every season. That's a lot of episodes. Yeah, that's one a lot season, of episodes. Right? Um, so now we kind of, now with shows, it's kind of like the standard 10, you know, with, right. with, with certain shows, you know what I mean? Right. But and and, even, then, and even then, sometimes that 10 could really be eight or even six. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I remember, yeah, just like the, you know, Coach Taylor balancing this, like this, this conviction of like, how do I keep the unity of my team? And also keep my star player engaged, but also like punish him. Like, I mean, how do I do this, right? So and much. and I think that, that you know, I love that he made he made Smash accept the the penalty for what he did, which is the right thing to do, right? Um, like to to make him accept the responsibility for his actions was the right thing to do. Um, and even like Smash's mom just like going off on him, which is always classic, right? Uh, shout out to Smash's mom, but like, yeah, it's it's one of those things that I, I remember when we watched the first time, and it just ended, and it's like, wait a minute, what? what what's going on here? And of course, yeah. and remember, as I said in the beginning of this episode, we had to save a little money by season three, and then season three opens up with like Smash Tennis. They sound like whoa, 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 what is going on here? And Wellington, this was the first time. I ever felt the effects of the writer's strike upon my life. <laughs> that mm-hmm. first writer's mm-hmm. strike. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, I, I had never, I never really been plugged into TV during that point in time. So like, I know, like, you know, like shows like Heroes, like got sunk by the writer's strike, right? Yeah. Um, other shows really got affected by as well too. And as you see, like with like Friday Night Lights, it um, yeah, cut that season short. Um, which again, it might be for good reason. Yeah, I haven't really like dove into like you know um, hearing like you know, the directors and the producers' thoughts and like how it really changed the trajectory of their of the show by being cut off like that. But but maybe maybe it was for the better that you kind of like had to like rework and figure out what happens on the other side of this um, because I think what yeah what came out of it you know, as you mentioned with season three was a significant pretty good to solid season and it really. It really set the tone for the rest of the series. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and now getting into kind of the most underrated character. Um, I think there's a lot mm. of picks you, you can make. I, I'd go with Jess because I feel as though Ooh, she's such okay, a strong okay. presence okay. in the show. Okay. She, she kind of, I mean, she had to raise her siblings alone. Mm. Her father kind of had to focus on the business. And I, I think these last few, um, these last few seasons, she kind of, you know, becomes a star in her own light. And yeah. um, I really had, had to go deep in the vault because, you know, there's so many like top line characters that we always mention. But when I, when yeah. you kind of, th- especially in those last few seasons, you kind of get introduced to characters that you, you don't know how they're going to fit. I think she fits pretty nicely into, into mm-hmm. the mix of the show. Um, who would kind of be your underrated character in the show? Man, uh, I mentioned a little bit earlier, but Landry is a pretty underrated character, right? Very. Uh, I mean, I mean, he does get some pretty, he gets a significant storyline when he, when he kills that dude uh, to protect Tyra, which was weird, crazy. Um, Talk about but, like the uh, weirdest storylines of the show. That one was man, crazy. <laughs> it's like wait a minute, you're, she just you're came dead. into a murder show. 
and your dad's gonna have covered forensic files, <laughs> right? And your dad's gonna have covered up for you, like, bro. That's we wild. are really going. We are going. It's like, like, Lord, Lord, forgive us for what we've done as we set this car on fire. Like, bro, what that is going wild. on? <laughs> uh, but yeah, but 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 Landry kind of has like this, like this just this factor of like, you know, where to where he like. Not only is friends with Saracen, but then becomes like the starting kicker for the football team, yeah, and crazy. he's Dylan, and like hits the game with a field goal to to to, to beat West Dillon, right? And uh, I mean, just poetic he, justice, <laughs> right, right, right. And it, I mean, there's a point of it too of like just yeah, you just really, I just again like felt drawn to his character. He really, you know, was like this nerd who tried for football. And I tried, I mean, took, I mean, shot his shot for the girl. He did everything in the show, bro. Did everything. And, uh, and, and it played out really well. Shout out to Jesse Plemons, man. Uh, again, another one of those characters who, who really, you know, those actors who really kind of like started, you know, got a big break here and has really found the life in of its own. Now, imagine, like, for me, going from like Lancer Clark to Todd in Breaking Bad. Where he's like shooting kids in the desert. You're just like, no, what's what going on here, man? But yeah, so uh, or, or even, dude, do you remember Battleship? Did you ever see Battleship? I never saw Battleship. So Battleship, Battleship had like was directed by. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was directed by Peter Berg, but Taylor Kish starred in it. Rihanna was in it, and Jesse Plemons was in it as well too. So just, just a, that's crazy. Just an absurd movie. I mean, it, it's literally cast. like it is literally just the most absurd movie you can ever watch. It's just it's literally live action battleship. That's, that's essentially what it is. Anyway, I'm I'm very <laughs> but 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 Landry but Landry is great, man. Landry's a great character. Um, you know, he really just you know brings some some spark to the show where it needs it. Brings which is a show where it needs it. And really, even some ways, kind of drives the story forward. As it's needed as well, too. And before we get to our last topic, man, it, it's it's so the dynamic between Coach Taylor and his wife is like I think one of mm. the strongest dynamics. Because I mean, they they yeah. really balance each other out. Um, Tammy, fantastic she's she's one job. of those. Yeah. yeah, she she does a fantastic job in it. Each episode, obviously the 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 crazy storyline or another crazy storyline, her losing her job because of you know they saying them saying that she recommended an abortion. Yeah, when she, when, when she really did, but obviously in Texas that. That topic is held yeah. into a. It's a very important, serious topic. What do you kind of think about um, Coach Coach Kaler and Tammy's just dynamic and just you know how they bounce each other out for for all five seasons? Yeah, um, yeah. Kyle Chandler, Connie Britton, They, you just you just see it like when certain certain actors and actresses just have that they have that it factor yeah. when they're on screen yeah. together, right? Um, you think about like a, you think about like, a, like a Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling, um, or um, you know, even most recently with Better Call Saul, um, Bob Odenkirk and uh, Raya, whatever her last name is, right? I mean, just that there there is a factor like you, you you always you can recognize it really quickly where there is a dynamic, the chemistry that's working between the two characters, and Kyle and Connie had it working right. Like oh, yes. you really believed. They were married. You really believed that he coached football. You really believed that she she was a mom and was a counselor. I mean, all these different things. It just really, it, it really sold it, sold it well. You. It sold you. Yeah. I mean, you, you feel, 
you feel the tension of their their strife and their arguments. Um, like when, uh, when she was just like, hey, we're supposed to tell you about some kind of party that we're having. And it's like, oh, crap. I forgot to tell her all about this, right? Uh, or um, Got all these players like, coming over. <laughs> right. Exactly. And then, of course, somebody throws a, throws a rock in the window, right? Uh, or when um, when he's working on the HVAC unit outside and he, like, like he, like, like messes his hand up. He's like, it's broken. Fix it. <laughs> just like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, just things like that, right? I mean, it, it yeah. just... And I think it's like it wasn't even profound. It just did something. Just did the simple things Very simple. well. It did the simple things well. They sold it. They made you believe, and it it, it really helps solidify like those two central characters in that story. Like they were solidified because of how well Kyle Chandler and Connie Brandon handled it. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and getting to our last topic, uh, it, it's the first three seasons, and then the last few seasons feel like two different. Yeah, um, groups. Honestly, it's really like when you get into season four, it's like, okay, this is this is different. This, this is completely mm-hmm. different. You, you lose a couple characters from from season three. I don't think Tyra, Lila, um, they're they're not seen as much. Um, which season? I, I'm gonna go with seasons one through three because I'm I'm biased towards that that <laughs> totally. that, that, that cast and that, and that crew. That's just who I'm used to. The, most, the last few seasons, I think, are are, are put together well, and we get a, a new zone of. Coach Taylor having to resurrect a different program, um, but I think season one through three that those were the characters I I remember the most. I have the most yeah. um, fond memories of in terms of just like all the the memorable scenes, the state championship. Uh, mm-hmm. So you kind of which set set of uh, seasons would you kind of take? Just for the sake of liveliness of conversation, I'm gonna go four and five. Okay. Because All because right. you, I like you, it. <laughs> you, you, you because you had the you had the complete nature of a story being told there right whereas like season two was abruptly ended um, the season three kind of had to like spend the, their first episode kind of like cleaning up what wasn't finished right so yeah. uh, I'll, I'll go with four and five and I think it's just and I, and I think for me as you can be completely honest I think it's, it it is the Michael B Jordan factor of the show of just like yeah. Like you just really, yeah. As I said in previous, like uh, you know, things we've done where we've mentioned him as a character, like you just you just really admire him as an actor, and I think he you kind of saw really early on. Because again, when I saw this, I think whenever I finally watched it, they had just ended the show, but obviously he had not been in Black Panther yet, right? So he yeah, still he, that. Yeah, he was free. still kind of on the rise. Yeah. Um, to to start of which where he is today, so so for me it was like I think you know four and five was really kind of captivated by by him by the stories like with Jess and all that stuff and her family and her family and all that stuff uh, the whole dynamic of like you know Coach Taylor and his family figuring out how to like live life with this you know you see kind of like the arc of Jason Street's character kind of come to a close like and how he found redemption for his life. Um, same thing with Saracen, same thing with Riggins. I mean, you, yeah, you know, because because I think it's closure. Five, yeah, it's closure. It's closure. Yeah, season five is closure, right? It, it brings everything, just it brings it to a nice little package. Like, yeah, yeah, here you go. And and there's a reason why you know, the last, and again, this is all user user review, but there's a reason why the last episode is rated 9.6 on IMDb because people really admired how they ended this show. 
they, they, they stick the landing. They really stick the landing. Like when you think yes. about it, it's, it's tough. A lot of shows, um, I'm not going to say a lot of shows, but there are shows that they're good, but they didn't stick the landing. I think that's mm. really commendable. This show was able to do that. It really yes. did it. And it tied everything into a nice bow. And it was like, hey, this was a perfect send off. Yes, uh, I, I completely agree. Um, yeah, even to get the the last, you know, clear eyes, full hearts, and of course she's like, uh, you'll get it eventually, right? But I like, love that. I yeah, love that. yeah, yeah. But like, but but but, but dude, even just like even that phrase, how it has like transcended, transcended like all all of like you know entertainment, like TV history, right? People people know when you say clear eyes, full hearts, it ends with can't lose. So, uh, or you know, even how like you know it, it doesn't happen as frequently as it used to, but whenever like some like a Texas job would open up, like hey, I hear Coach Taylor's available these days, like you know, it's like <laughs> like you, know, you just like you, 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 it, it's a fun of it all, right? Because it it, it just it's a show that it, it it hits all the boxes for you, right? There's moments of joy, sadness. Yeah. There's moments of like you know jubilation. There's moments of anger. There's moments where you're like, I love this character. There's moments where you're like, I hate this character. I mean, everything you want in the show is there for you. A lot of those, smashes a lot of those hate moments. Like, I cannot stand this character. <laughs> but there's good, there's good points. Of it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And, and, and to, to close it out, man, this is, in terms of Mount Rushmore shows, this, this, is, this is on that list for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Sopranos, The Wire, Breaking Bad, Succession, Friday Night Lights. That's my my five. Like, where does this fit for you in that, like, your top five of, like, you know, of your personal favorite shows ever? I, I, I would say it's definitely top five. Um, I would say it's probably either four or five. Um, yeah, I think that there's a piece of me. I mean, I like, like I said, Breaking Bad really kind of hit a – hit a nerve for me that they had not really been hit before. But I will say this. I, I'm rewatching Better Call Saul right now, and, I, and Better Call Saul might overtake it for me. It's, I've heard some people say that. I've heard some people it, say it, Better the, Call the, Saul the, might the be way, the way The way that Better Call Saul is written, maybe we'll do this on another podcast for another day, yeah, but like, just the way that it's written, it's just written so well. And uh, But yeah, but you know, I, so I think for me, if, if I had to like, you know, say like my Mount Rushmore of shows that I and can go back to can, can recall episodes and moments and like knowing where I was when I watched all that kind of stuff. I think I would go um, we got Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, True Detective season one, um, with McConaughey and uh, Woody Harrelson, uh, Friday Night Lights, and then just kind of like you know just kind of a a fun show to have in the midst of all that would be something like Frasier. It just kind of hits. It, it just does it to form I, of that. I rewatched a lot of Frasier. It, it, it really, like, it, it, it just the, the absurdity of two yeah. rich white dudes in Seattle. It just, it, it does it to form it. So, man, I, that's a good point. Frasier is a really good show. I, when Frasier is <laughs> on, I tend to just stay on and watch. I'm like, I, I like this show. <laughs> yeah, I like this show. It's like, oh, I, you really just like. I mean, I think it's something that, like, you know, we just don't have today, right? We just don't have that. That show that's with kind of know, missed, like yeah, that's, that's with, really with, with twenty minute episodes, and you could bang it out and keep it moving, right? Yeah, definitely. Well, Trent has been an absolute pleasure as always. I hope Savon just just felt a little, felt a little like, man, I wish I would have watched Friday Night Lights. Yeah, man, Con- it's one, it's one conviction, conviction, Savon. <laughs> man, come on, brother. 
come to the altar. Like, come to the altar. Our, our, our arms are spread out wide. <laughs> We're ready to embrace you. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get you a T-shirt that says Saturday Night Lights on it. Everything. Come on. Clear man. eyes. Clear eyes. Four hearts. Well, that wraps it up for tonight. I'm your host, Wendell Burns. This has been Full Scope. See you later.